Hello, and welcome to episode 27 of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your host, Mati, and joining me today are my two friends, David Melly from the Run Your Mouth podcast and Ian from um, Life, I guess. Thanks. I'm not from Life. I'm only from the Run Your Mouth podcast. I actually don't exist in the real world. Yep. So how are you guys doing tonight? That's David. <laughs> doing well. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, doing great. Hopefully the, you know, the second of many. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out. Yeah, no, no, definitely. It will definitely be the second of many unless you really piss me off. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> you have a uh, you have a good chance to do that because this week we'll be talking about almost all of the Star Wars films in the order of release. We're going to be starting with the original trilogy and ending with The Last Jedi. We'll probably save Solo and maybe The Mandalorian for some other time. So what you're saying is that this is going to be a marathon movie marathoners movie marathon pod. How long have you been holding on to that? I just thought of it. I swear to God. Okay. okay. Yes. I, I can't even repeat that, but yes, that is what it will be. That's going to be the release tweet. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good to me. So this is your one and only spoiler warning for everything Star Wars related. Nothing is off the table. Guys, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Yeah, sure. All right. Before we do that, though, David, you ran a marathon, right? For the first time. I did. Yeah. So uh, you are now ago. officially <laughs> two days ago. Three days ago. Three days yeah. ago. Wow. So now you are officially a movie marathoner. Hell yeah. So congratulations. That's Thank awesome. You. Woo. All right. Let's just jump right into the deep end by giving our overall rankings of the Star Wars films so that for the rest of the podcast, we will forever be pinned by our arbitrary but binding <laughs> lists. Um, David, why don't you start us off with number 10 and then just count down with your unofficial official ranking of the Star Wars films. No explanations. No explanations. No explanations. Can I give one small tag off the bat? Sure. These are an order of favorite, not an order of empirical best. They are how much I enjoy the Star Wars movies. All right. So 10, Phantom Menace. Nine, Rogue One. Wow. <laughs> Eight, Revenge of the Sith. Seven, Attack of the Clones. Six, Solo. Five, Return of the Jedi. Four, The Force Awakens. Three, The Last Jedi. Two, Star Wars, The Motion Picture. And one, Empire Strikes Back. All right. Ian, how about you? All right. So... I want to start off with my... Let the record show, Ian has notes, and I did that off my, the top of my head. <laughs> well, I want to start off by saying uh, this is Star Wars The Clone Wars Erasure. That was a great movie. <laughs> I don't it, I don't care. It's not on my list because you, apparently special, you don't include I, it. I didn't include that in there either. Yeah. Well, that okay. wasn't shown in theaters, I don't think, was it? I don't think so. Um, yeah, was so, Clone Wars shown in theaters? Yeah. Uh -huh. Wow. Whatever, who cares? Car Caravan of Courage, the um, Ewok movie. <laughs> <laughs> so at the bottom of my list is Attack of the Clones, then Solo, Phantom Menace, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, uh, Empire Strikes Back, Rogue One, Last Jedi, and A New Hope. Wow, okay. So my list is at 10, Attack of the Clones, 9, Phantom Menace, 8, Revenge of the Sith, seven, The Last Jedi, six, Solo, five, Return of the Jedi, four, The Empire Strikes Back, three, The Force Awakens, two, A New Hope, and one, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. All right. Some interesting fodder for debate. This yeah. Is be. Okay. 
So now that every listener has turned off the podcast out of anger. <laughs> yeah, between one of the three of us, we pissed somebody off yeah, irreparably. Like, Fuck. <laughs> yeah, so we can now have a semi-reasonable discussion about why both of you guys are wrong and I am right. <laughs> Sounds good to Post me. Host is yeah. always right, apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So oh, um, I'm excited to convince you guys that Attack of the Clones is the best prequel. Don't worry. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. no. <laughs> you, you've got it, like... You've got a lot of work there, David. <laughs> so uh, let's just start by asking, I want to start by asking you guys your relationship with Star Wars. When were you first aware of this franchise and when did the franchise start to mean something to you? Sure. Right before, on the way to recording this podcast, I told someone, um, I am nerdy about many things, but Star Wars is the thing that I am nerdiest about. That's, I would say, like, of all the things that are your you know, special thing that Star Wars for me is the top of the list. I am one of those kids that had a bookshelf of expanded universe books when I was a kid. I have dressed up as some version of a Jedi for probably half of my elementary school <laughs> Halloweens. Yeah, this is this is my thing. Um, if I were to get any sort of uh, nerd content related tattoo, it would definitely be uh, Rebel Alliance symbol. Um, I'm, I haven't quite gotten there yet, but like it's on the table is what I would say. Wow. Interestingly, when I first, so I first started watching the movies, you know, some level of like four or five, something like that. I remember the first time I watched Empire Strikes Back when Han Solo went into Carbonite, I like was horrifically scared and like couldn't watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> and I think it like turned me off to Star Wars for a while. Um, but then obviously like, you know, by six or seven, I was like fully on board. Um, and you know, on board with like freezing people in hibernation. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. But yeah. I mean, you know, the Legos, the, you know, yeah. the books, the movies, I definitely was the age, the prime target age for the prequels. So I think mm -hmm. that, you know, when folks talk about sort of the millennial or post-millennial generation having a different relationship to the prequels, like We'll talk about this later when we get to Attack of the Clones, but like I was nine years old when Attack of the Clones came out. And I was also I also think that was one of the first, if not the first, Star Wars that we owned on VHS. Like we would rent them from the Blockbuster throwback. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was the first one or one of the first ones that I owned. So I wa I've seen that one so many times. And I think it's that golden, like zone where I think I was not old enough to appreciate the problematic parts of the prequels, but old enough to like really become invested in like the cool parts of the prequels. So I think I'm not as much of a prequel apologist as some. I think as an adult, I recognize that there are some like many laughably bad aspects of them. Mm -hmm. um, but I do, <laughs> there are certain things that like hit the nostalgia buttons in a certain way that I think folks who came up with the originals feel like that they will always kind of excuse certain hokey parts of the originals because it just hits their like emotional core so perfectly. Yeah. There are parts of the prequels that do that for me. Definitely fair. What about you, Ian? Yeah. I mean, just like David, I, I, I love Star Wars. I really grew up with it in the house. My dad was one of those guys that back when the original came out, he said that he saw that movie more than any movie he's ever seen like to this day. Like, he went to the theater like every day of the week when it came out and it it was just on in the background in my house when I was younger. So I guess that was like the, I never sat down and watched it when I was younger. I, the first time I probably sat down and watched 
the first Star Wars movie was probably when I was in like middle school or like high school or something. Um, but it was just always on in my house. And I guess the first Star Wars movie that I ever sat down and watched, though, was Revenge of the Sith, which was on TV. I think we rented it on like direct TV or something one night. And I was pretty young in that movie, like like David was saying with uh, Empire, that movie scarred me. Like the younglings and stuff. Like I was, I don't, I don't think I slept that night. I was, I was just terrified going to bed. And like I thought Anakin was like supposed to be like the big hero. I didn't know at the time that he became Darth Vader. Whoa, you so you did the you did the theoretical prequels order that yeah, you're supposed to do. I had no idea. Like when they put the mask on at the end, I was like losing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay interesting uh yeah but that that's just sort of i guess how i got into it and i was hooked on it and did marathons of star wars movies like every year since then i think awesome i am then definitely the least fanboy of the three of us then for sure i just for whatever reason it took me a while to get into star wars i don't know like i guess my dad didn't you know grow up with star wars or whatever and so he never kind of imposed it on me, and I didn't get it until I was maybe, you know, 10 or 9 or something like that the very first time, and I watched it, and I was like, cool. And it wasn't until around when the new Disney trilogy was coming out that I actually started really getting invested into everything that makes Star Wars so great. So these, I think I've probably only seen the original trilogy two, three times, including the most recent rewatch. So... um Maybe that will explain why I don't have as high of um, regard for <laughs> of prequels as some yeah. people do. So um, speaking of rewatches, when was the last time you guys saw these films? Have you done a recent rewatch of these? Or On my computer, I have about half of them downloaded. So I watch them on flights a lot. Mm -hmm. That's like probably the number one. Like, oh, I don't have Wi-Fi. Like I'll throw on like one of the like, you know, 10 movies on my computer, like five of which are Star Wars movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I watch them, especially with the Disney ones. I've watched like half of those a lot in preparation for this podcast and the release of Disney Plus. I've been watching uh, a bunch of them over again, not in any sort of cohesive rewatch way. I did watch Revenge of the Sith last night. Um, so that's okay. the most recent one that <laughs> yeah. I watched. Cool. Um, but yeah, I've, and I, yeah, so I mean, I... I'm constantly like watching half of them, but in terms of like cohesive sitting down and going through them, like I probably, it's probably been less than a year since I have seen all of them all the way through. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Within the yeah. last year, I've watched all of them. Okay. I started a rewatch uh, a week or two ago and got, I watched episode one, skipped episode two because I couldn't <laughs> will myself to do it. <laughs> Episode three, and then Rogue One, four, five, and six. I watched four, five, and six all last Sunday, and I haven't had time to do uh, seven and eight, but I'm going to do that before. Um, what is the name of the ninth one? I always Rise, forget. Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah. yeah. So what about you, Ian? What have you done? <laughs> yeah, so recently I, I've watched Rogue One. I w watched that with you last week, and then I went back and watched Last Jedi, A New Hope, and uh, Revenge of the Sith. Okay, they're really all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> but but I've seen all of them within the last order. year. Yeah. 
Okay, awesome. So let's just jump straight into the first Star Wars then. This is, of course, um, some people may say Star Wars the motion picture like David or episode four, which is what it was rebranded after. I don't know, whenever, right? <laughs> you probably During the David. special editions. Yeah. yeah. thousand generations the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. How did my father die? A young Jedi named Darth Vader helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. The Jedi are all but extinct. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. The Force? Kid, I've flown from one side of this galaxy to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything to make me believe there's one all-powerful force controlling everything. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. That's no more. I suggest we use it. It's a space station. Fear will keep the local systems in line. Fear of this battle station. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. So, Ian, where was the first episode four uh, in your list? Episode four? Yeah. It was the first, first one. So this is your favorite Star Wars? Or yeah. you ranked this the first? I, I, ra- <laughs> I ranked this the first, but my, my list has a mix between, like, how great I think the movies are, like, I don't know, cinematically as a whole. And then, like, my favoritism is also with some of them. Like, Rogue One, I think, is really up there just because I love it so much personally. And then A New Hope, I think, was really groundbreaking at the time. So that's why it's at the top of the list for me. Okay, so that's just, just, just because, because it was groundbreaking? Yeah, I mean... First. I think about like what my dad must have seen when he went back when he watched that in the theaters when it came out and like people must have had no idea what was going on. That's the thing I really <laughs> liked about it. Like, yeah, that that's why I think it's so amazing. Like they didn't have like a world to build off on. They like they were going like right into the middle of it, you know? Have you have you, have you guys ever seen the like the despecialized versions? No, and I, I never want to. I never have. Like the uh, original yeah, theatrical ones. I've heard there yeah. cuz one of the things people say is that you know, watching Star Wars, not not only did, were they dropped into the middle of the world, but that it was special effects on a level that nobody had ever done before. Yeah. And that's what made it such a phenomenon. And yeah. I think I'd be interested to see what those looked like now, because I've watched the the updated versions and they look, some things look not so good. Some things yeah. look pretty good. Like I would say on the whole though, effects wise, the original trilogy holds up really well. Like, no, it's not this level of CGI that like a Marvel movie would be, or even the new sequel trilogy, but they don't look bad per se. No. (laughs) And I mean, I think they age much better than, for example, some of the scenes in the prequels, which 
feel like a Spy Kids movie or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember, you know, I remember watching the first episode or episode four and being sort of like the very first time I watched it, I was like, OK, this is fine. And everybody says that episode five is so much better and all of this stuff. But when I did my most recent rewatch, I really liked episode four because it had that world building that mm-hmm. so many things are missing nowadays. They didn't care about explaining things. And it may have been unfair, uh, like they may have had an unfair advantage because we do know so much because of episodes one through three. But the fact that they didn't have to sit there and explain everything, I I really liked. Yeah. So even though it was kind of a little bit slower and a little bit less action filled, it wasn't dialogue heavy or anything. It just really let the story naturally grow. Yeah. And one of the things I'd say that I think stepping outside the Star Wars world and into the just movie world overall is I think that Star Wars, the episode four, in so many ways is such a perfectly quintessential movie. Like it has the like classic hero's journey structure, all of the kind of beats there of kind of what we think of as like the archetypal, like, you know, epic of Gilgamesh level hero's journey. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also, from a movie making standpoint, like has three very clearly defined acts um, it has a conflict and a resolution. You say it's dropped in the middle, but much more than any of the other movies in the saga. It, like, if no sequels or prequels came out to Star Wars Episode Four, like it very much stands alone on its own as a right, movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, in some ways, like I think of it as like the most one of the most classic movies in the same way that you know Casablanca is like a quintess like it's a quintessential movie, and like even from. You know, like like the Breakfast Club being a quintessential teen movie. Like it's uh, mm-hmm. it's the quintessential sci-fi fantasy movie, uh, in like a much larger sense than just Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I really like that this movie does a thing. It's a rare thing that movies do that they can be popcorny while also just being a good, solid, well-made movie with a story and something you know, not not a whole lot to say, but something to say. And I think that this movie threads that needle very, very well. And I also want to add that I think it only gets better after watching, like, Rogue One. Like, yeah. going back and watching that, uh, like, in order, Rogue One to A New Hope, seeing that, like, just, like, seamless transition is amazing. You yeah, know, knowing I, um, what happens, knowing why they're after them. Yeah, this was the first time that I had watched... A New Hope since I had seen Rogue One mm-hmm. and I really liked I didn't realize that there were so many things in Rogue One that were literally taken from lines of dialogue yeah. from A New Hope that well we'll talk about that in Rogue One but that's pretty impressive that they were able to craft the story out of something that had so many rigid boundaries on it and then the way that it just kind of pretty seamlessly fits or uh, feeds into episode four was great and I will say like you know in terms of beats of a movie, and like there are probably few movies in the world that I know exactly what's going to happen when it's going to happen better yeah. than the original <laughs> Star Wars. And at the same time, in that Death Star trench run, the tension building between the score and the editing and everything, mm-hmm. I st- it somehow manages to still like hit the like surprise and excitement button when Han Solo like comes oh, out yes, of nowhere and chills. like blows. Like it somehow manages to take me by surprise every time despite the fact that I've seen that movie literally dozens of times (laughs) and it's just like again a testament to just like really great movie making that the way that it's structured still just like evokes that emotional reaction from Mm -hmm. yeah so I think we're all really positive on episode four so that is not a hot take yet um (laughs) 
So I think uh, one thing that would be fun would be if we do uh, favorite and least favorite parts. So uh, if you guys don't mind going around and just, it can be a moment, it can be anything, um, what your favorite, maybe we can do favorite parts and then least favorite parts of each of the movies. Yeah, let's do it. David, why don't you start us out? Since this is your idea. Sure. So <laughs> Gives us some time to think. Quintessential, but I I mean, I think my favorite moment uh, in the movie is just the when Luke is going out and looking at the sunset and you hear the first, you know, big, big force theme. I'm a big score guy and big John Williams fan. And like that moment is just so beautiful, <laughs> irrespective of anything that happens over it. And I also think, you know, from an emotional resonance standpoint, like it just... It hits on that feeling that I think people can always relate to of just like wanting, you know, being that kind of like angsty teenager that wants more and wants meaning. And then, <laughs> you know, the rest of the movie is him finding meaning and significance. Yeah. What about you, Ian? Uh, yeah. Similar to the uh, Luke standing in the, the two sons on Tatooine, I think my quintessential moment of that movie in one of my favorite movies in Star one of my favorite moments in Star Wars is like we were saying earlier the trench run when Han comes back in i think Han's transformation in just the first movie is amazing and it's not like i think later in empire and return of the jedi a lot of his motivations have to do with leia and i loved in this that it seemed like it was his not just his guilt, but him realizing that like the world, the galaxy was bigger than just him, and him coming back to save the day, like with Luke. Like I, I love that so much. Nice, yeah. I would say my favorite moment, and this is just off the top of my head now, is kind of the whole scene when Luke first in the movie first meets up with uh, Obi Wan, and they just go into the um, the town, and you're just learning and seeing all these new things mm -hmm. and you're just overwhelmed by everything. But I think the film does a really good job in just telling you what you need to know and letting you just absorb everything else. And a, not all of it a works. A wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, some of it's really weird. I think the thing that isn't said often enough is that Star Wars has some really weird things in it. Mm -hmm. um, but when it's, you know, just that whole conglomeration of stuff is just a really cool world building thing and a great exercise in storytelling without, you know, being bogged down by all these, what does this mean? What does this mean? Why is the milk blue? All that stuff. So I really liked um, that whole scene from when they get into that bar and then until they go back to Naboo or uh, Tatooine's vill the village and they find out that Luke's parents are dead. <laughs> so... Or uncle and aunt or whatever. My least favorite part is probably also that scene when they go back to uh, the Tatooine village and find out that Luke's uncle and aunt are dead. Because I think um, it takes away a little bit of Luke's dis like motivation to action. I would have preferred, and I don't know how exactly this would work, but I would have preferred when Obi-Wan asks him to come and you know become a Jedi, Luke said yes instead of him kind of feeling like he's forced to in a way because choosing he to no leave something behind versus yeah. not yeah yeah so um i don't really love when characters are kind of forced into things i like when they have their own motivation but it's a nitpick so i agree yeah, yeah i agree because it, I, in the movie since i just watched it yesterday like he he says when he decides to go with obi-wan he says there's nothing keeping me here anymore yeah it, it's just a little annoying i get that and going off of that because my least favorite part is 
pretty much right before that. I hate when um when Obi-Wan introduces himself and he's just screaming like a crazy person. Do you know like his, his No, he's making he, he's making a crate dragon noise, obviously. <laughs> Isn't he? Isn't he trying to like using, scare the? Yeah, so he's using the force to make the noise of a crate dragon, which is a Tatooine monster that you see the bones of when C three PO is walking across oh, the de- desert. Nerd over here. And okay. So by you, <laughs> you know making what? that Never noise, mind. it scares Never off. Never mind. The I get it now. Yeah. Your least favorite moment is stupid. <laughs> okay, yeah. I got it. <laughs> no, sorry, I don't mean to shit on your least favorite moment. No. Although I was gonna say about the scene. So speaking of internet nerd dumb things. One of these kind of like joke conspiracy theories is that Obi-Wan killed Uncle Owen and Emperor <laughs> and the Jawas and everything like to make it to like because he wanted Luke to go with him on his journey. Yeah. And so that's always like that's a fun conspiracy theory window, like, a, you know, like loose change. They made documentaries. About. <laughs> um, I would say that my, my least favorite moment, I, I was going to say a more like technical moment. There's some scenes in the Obi-Wan Vader battle where. It is oh, so, yeah. even in the digital edition. It is so obvious that Alec Guinness is just carrying a metal stick. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, I would say if once you've seen it a million times, the trash compactor scene is really long. In is terms that in the of first like, one? yeah. So oh. them thinking they're gonna die, and then like C three PO telling oh, R two yeah. to turn off all the mm-hmm. garbage mashers. Like, if you know that what that outcome is and even like uh, it's just it drags on for so long and you're just kind of like r2 just do it so we can move to the next scene (laughs) yeah yeah that's that makes sense all right so uh let's move on to episode five um ian what do you feel about episode five do you Um, think it's better than episode four well no because it's not in his ranking (laughs) yeah true true fair enough (laughs) I, I i think it's different i guess it has such a different vibe than the rest of the star wars movies I think because it it just tries to be much darker, I guess, and then they seem to backtrack again in Return of the Jedi t- mm-hmm. to targeting the more general audiences. I remember reading an interview about how like George Lucas had a child psychologist come in and watch Empire to see if it would like scar children or not. It scarred me. So. <laughs> Shit and psychologist. Like, yeah, and apparently, like, they weren't good. <laughs> because there were just, like, some really jarring scenes from that movie. You know, un- unlike in A New Hope, where they, like you were saying, you go into a new area with new surroundings, and they just sort of, like, plunge you into all this s- stuff in the Star Wars world that you don't recognize. They do that again in Empire, but this time it's all, like, sort of creepy and scary. Like, Jabba's Palace and stuff like that. That's in Jedi. Not not, not Jabba's Palace. Uh, what am I thinking of? Well, there's Dagobah and... The I mean, Hoth Lampa is pretty cave. scary. Yeah. Cutting open the Tauntaun, going inside of that right at the beginning. Yeah, that's... I, I mean, I think it's interesting because Empire... So, little context, like, so George Lucas wrote and directed Star Wars on his own and um, for... As far as, like, basically we can tell, like, that was the only thing he really, like, nailed solo. Oh, yeah. And so (laughs) um, he co-wrote Empire with Lawrence Kasdan, and the sort of general feeling that folks have is that, like, he, I think, really steered the ship in a more dark direction and also what got better sort of... um, you know, when we think about some of the cornballs dialogue of, like, Star Wars, like, excuse me, some of the more human moments in... Um, Empire, I think, was more like his hand at the wheel. And then Jedi was written 
or directed by uh, Richard Marquand, who is a television director um, hmm. primarily. And so that um, I think is why like parts of Jedi feel like a little more like low budgety than Empire. And mm-hmm. so yeah. um, it's in- it's interesting to sort of compare the three. I think definitely Empire, I, I think what it has that I think maybe wasn't as covered as clearly as a new hope, which is very story driven is that it had such great character building. It really, you're saying episode five did Yeah, episode five. Yeah. yeah. And this I is mean, your number one, right? Yeah. So this is my favorite. I mean, I think it's a, a lot of people's favorite. I mean, I think for mm-hmm. me, it's one of those there. I'm never like not in the mood to watch empire strikes back. Like, I mm-hmm. think it's just so watchable. There's just so many good moments, like right back to back. Like you can watch the whole thing and be completely enthralled, or you can throw on like any ten minute segment and still be just as enjoyable. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think it just like I think they really understood more what they wanted to do with like Han and Leia's characters. I think you know it allowed Luke to sort of have a more fully realized internal journey now that he sort of had a little more agency and choice in yeah. the matter. Um, I, I think it just, the introduction of Lando, I think, you know, provided a kind of a, a morally gray character in the way that there really wasn't in the first movie. You know, Han Solo is like kind of supposed to be this like scoundrel, but like he really pretty much always does the right thing throughout the movies. He's very much a hero. Um, so I just think it, I think it just was much more humanist than the first one and, and hit those notes really, really well. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, David, is there's a lot of things that this film subverts and you know you think of like a lot of the reveals like for, and for example Han getting put in the carbonite uh Luke finding out that Vader is his father and then the one that I think is most interesting is the facade that Yoda puts on for Luke when he first gets to uh what's the planet called Dagobah Dagobah okay I was going to say Dagobah but mm-hmm. I didn't want to be wrong when you watched it did you know that that Yoda character was supposed to be the little green Muppet that you saw? Or were you expecting some massive, masterful Jedi and you kind of fell for that subversion? Because when I saw this for the first time, I had knew, you know, everything. I knew Vader was Luke's father. I knew that um, Yoda was a master Jedi. So I'm curious if you remember watching it for the first time and falling for those things. You know, I don't like I was so little, like literally the only thing I remember from watching Empire the first time was just being really scared when Han went to Carbonite. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, I think from what I know historically, Yoda, the character of Yoda wasn't in any of the promotional materials um, uh, or toys in the initial release for Empire Strikes Back. So I think it really was, you know, framed as a reveal, Mm -hmm. especially in the pre-internet era. I think what people were legitimately not supposed to know that that was... Yoda when he first lands on Dagobah. Um, I think exactly what you were saying with the subversion of stereotypes, you know, if we think about kind of like the first movie as the quintessential hero's journey, Empire is the exact opposite of that. The good guys lose. (laughs) Everything (laughs) goes wrong. Pretty much from the start to the finish, like it's the most perfectly named movie because nothing goes well at any point in the process for any of the good guys. Like they get driven out of their base on Hoth. Uh, they get captured. Luke gets his ass kicked by a wampa. Is like pretty bad at Jedi training. <laughs> Fails to rescue his friends. Like gets his hand cut off. Like it's pretty much like a like a bunch of bummers all in a row. They get betrayed. Like it's very much like 
nothing that you would see in a modern movie for sure that, uh, you know, there would be like, I think, you know, really, I, I don't watch the series, but the only analog I can think of is like some of the Game of Thrones stuff where they're really unafraid to have really dark endings to seasons and kill off characters that are beloved and stuff. Like, I think yeah. that there's so much bet hedging in like, you know, children's or family movies that like you don't want to put out that movie. Right, that's just yeah. like a huge downer that it's amazing that this went so definitively that way. And there was three years until the return of the Jedi. Like, could you imagine if that happened now? And I mean, you know, you get something like Infinity War and where everybody, spoilers, I guess, for Infinity War, where everybody or half the universe gets poofed away. But you're like, okay, there's another movie coming out in a year. We can <laughs> we can see how this happens in a year. I could not imagine having to wait for three years to figure yeah. out, like, how are they going to get Han out of the carbonite? So it, it is a really, like, impressive um, and ballsy move on their part. Mm-hmm. And the thing that you're saying about them failing is interesting. I guess I've never really thought of The Empire Strikes Back as that because that is the thing that I consider The Last Jedi to do quite a bit is it's a it's lot of It's almost failure. like they're both really good movies and that people just underappreciated The Last Jedi for other reasons. <laughs> um, I would say that, <laughs> well, we can get into that, but I would say that The Empire Strikes Back works very well despite them failing. It doesn't feel like... Uh, pointless <laughs> mm-hmm. in a way that maybe some other movies might feel pointless. I don't know. Um, you know, TBD. So Ian, why don't you start us off with your favorite and least favorite moments? I, I think my my favorite part of the movie is probably that basic no I am your father line, just because when I watched this movie for the first time, I didn't like I was finally putting together the pieces that Anakin was Darth Vader and Darth Vader was Luke's father. <laughs> oh my god! So like, I, it was all coming together in this movie, and I was like, you I was the like, smartest kid, were you? <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice though. You got the yeah, I, I got, I, I got fun experience with it. But on the other hand, that also sort of made my least favorite part of this movie, which was Yoda, because I saw Yoda in the prequels first, and I thought he was like the biggest badass in the world, <laughs> and then I saw this like pathetic little creepy puppet thing just like doing crazy laughs and acting like he was insane and that was just not what i what i thought of yoda as i guess i, I thought of him as the cgi badass <laughs> See, I think it's so funny because for so many people they feel the opposite yeah the some of the scenes with Yoda, like uh like i know um one of the the famous things is that george lucas actively campaigned for frank oz to get a best supporting actor nomination um, for his performance as Yoda because hmm. he thought it was so extraordinary. And in I Empire? think in Empire. And I think um this the some of the Yoda scenes, like I think are some of the best scenes in the whole trilogy where huh. you know, the these imminently quotable lines, but also because they are they are quotable because they're good, you know, like do or do not. There is no try. Yeah. Size matters not. Um I just wanted to see him do backflips, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, you know, that's see, that's kind of like and I think really that's what they nailed in Last Jedi, spoiler alert, that the original trilogy view of the force, which was not this kind of mm-hmm. like video game energy source that like yeah. enabled you to like do your power-ups, but this really this more of this mystical, much more of like a religious kind of Buddhist Eastern philosophy thing of like this, you know, spirit tying the world together that I think original Yoda, I think like very much encapsulated mm-hmm. that in a in a really cool way because I think 
that's kind of like one of the underlying messages of the whole Star Wars saga is this idea of like, you know, there's wars and there's good guys and bad guys and like triumphs and and everything. But underneath it all is it's all tied together in this big harmonious kind of dance of fates and that that's like what the force is. And I think that Yoda kind of being like this old hermit who's kind of like, oh, you're like stupid like muscles and you're like wars make not one great. Like it's, you know, it's like he sees things so much larger than uh, just the problem in front of your face. And to me, that's like, that's the essence of like what a Jedi master is supposed to be. So are the Yoda scenes your favorite scenes in Empire Strikes Back? My favorite part, uh, I think going back to the character thing is, uh, gets me every time is the, I love you. I know. Um, I think that that is just like was such a beautiful and even the backstory of it being ad-libbed on set and them doing a bunch of takes. Like I think now that I know more about like the behind the scenes, it just makes the initial scene so much better. Um, It's so a testament to Harrison Ford's goddamn charisma (laughs) (laughs) that that doesn't come off as a like supremely dickish move. Like no offense to you guys, but like if Robert Downey Jr. is playing that role, I'd be like, he's the biggest asshole ever. But like he, Harrison Ford like nails the like, I don't roguish Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he nails roguish charm without being unlikable in like a way that like literally no one else in the history of the world can and the I love you I know moment is like just the epitome of that oh yeah I th- I think um, I was debating between that moment and then even the part where Leia kisses um, <laughs> oh, that's Luke? your favorite <laughs> I don't know if it's my favorite but I do think it worked in a way that was like I'm questioning was your motivations funny. right now <laughs> I thought it was funny I mean they don't know that they're I just think you should be allowed siblings. to kiss your sister like just you know <laughs> it's not that big of a deal they didn't know <laughs> well they didn't <laughs> it's weird but it's not my least like, favorite uh, part yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know I just thought that it was like for that love triangle situation, I thought it was pretty funny that she would be doing that just to piss off Han Solo. Yeah. So probably not my favorite part. I just wanted to say something different than the I love you, I know, because I also think that that is a fantastic moment. Well, and it's I have probably a million favorite. other moments that I think are great, so I can choose one of those. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, uh, what's your least favorite? Um, I think there's it, there really are so few moments of this movie that I don't love that it really is hard to think of a least favorite. Um, I will say the character of Dak um, is like very obviously like he's just so, such a, like a goober and so clearly like about to die. Like he's I don't just, even know what that is. <laughs> he's Luke's co-pilot who's like, they're getting ready to fight the Imperial walkers coming in. And he's like, I think I could take on the whole empire by myself. And then he's like, Luke, my fire controls are, he's like the most doomed character ever. You know what I mean? When like a like previously unannounced character. That's like really like enthusiastic and like, doesn't know what's coming gets introduced. And you're like, you are, you've been dead before you were even on screen. More doomed than Porkins. And I think uh, the actor also, I think like is really like, you know, hamming up those lines and that doesn't help. But like, He's just so over the top, like idealistic and enthusiastic that you're like, oh, this fucking kid's dead. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say in that same scene, my least favorite part is just from a um, being held up by CGI moment when there's one part where the AT-AT falls and it looks really good. But then another one falls and it looks like stop motion. Yeah, like they almost forgot that they had to animate it or something. So that part's probably my least favorite because it just it doesn't hold up at all. But overall, it 
does, and that's really impressive. Um, I also, I while we're on Hoth, I should actually say, speaking of things that don't hold up. And- oh, I changed my mind for my favorite one. It's it'll be less creepy this time. Okay. I promise. I love that Han actually risks his life to go and save Luke. I thought that that was a great way to show that time has passed between the fourth one and the fifth one. Thought that was really good. Put that out there. Especially given that we are on a podcast uh, with three men, I should also point out that the only other female character with a speaking line is uh, Torin Farr, the ion cannon gunner, whose only line in the movie is ion cannon firing. <laughs> and oh, no. literally, aside from that, Leia is the only female character with speaking lines in the entire movie. Wow. It's literally insane. And, wow. like, could not worse fail the Bechdel test. So, should point that out, probably my least favorite part of that movie is horrible so, gender representation. Wow, which yeah. Is, I mean, were there were there any black people in Lando? No, no, I mean A, a New Hope. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nope. no, I mean, the, the, first, the first couple yeah. Star Wars did not have good which, like, diversity you know, representation. Sequel fanboys, shut the fuck up. Yeah, like, seriously. <laughs> you know, this, this is long overdue. Yeah, it's, let's not even touch that with a 10-foot pole because it's just, there's objectively people that are wrong. <laughs> it's like not even a discussion. So um, let's move on to episode six. This is the return of Wait, the what Jedi. Was, what was Ian's least favorite part of Empire? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I, I said Yoda. Oh, Yoda. Oh, God, I blocked that up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on to episode six, Return of the Jedi. This was the last of the original trilogy. My notes um, just have two words. They say, yub, yub. <laughs> <laughs> this one's a lot better than I remember, actually. I think the only part that doesn't really hold up for me is the bike scenes that are clearly on a green screen. Oh, yeah. But other than that, um, you know, the Ewok stuff I actually found was pretty funny <laughs> this time. Like yeah, when, I when like you're them. used to, when you're expecting it, it's not this huge bummer <laughs> or anything like that. It's, it's a little ridiculous that the stormtroopers, like, what is that stuff made out of that the stormtroopers wear? Or like, they'll get hit by a pebble and they, oh, yeah. they go it's down. Like worse than not wearing armor. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, and I think the Ewoks, like they fit in thematically with another sort of recurring theme throughout this Skywalker saga yeah. is this idea of sort of, you know, the un- scrappy underdogs taking on the monolith of technology and uh, the empire and the sort of your heart being in the right place, winning out over having the material advantage, which happens over and over again throughout uh, all of these movies. And so I think Ewoks get a bad rap for a lot of reasons. So um, I wrote down a lot about the Ewoks. And um, I, I want to read a quote from it. You're going to quote yourself? Yeah. All right. Well, just first of all, I love the Ewoks just because they're sort of badass. Like, they eat people, apparently. And they also just set up these, like, horrifying traps for, yeah. for the uh, stormtroopers. And, yeah, I just think they're badasses. But so my, I, my quote was... Uh, my sense of maturity is not tied to how badass something is in a Zack Snyder-esque way. In being able to comfortably embrace the lighter side along with the dark feels, you know, with, with a... I didn't are you, follow are you that at yourself? all. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't follow that at all. All right. Well, I was just so trying to roast Zack Snyder. <laughs> so you're saying that you don't need to be... He- everything doesn't need to be heavy-handed yes. to be good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I see. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be dark just to be... Yeah. And I think 
we'll get to this later, but that's one of the reasons why I don't like Rogue One is because okay. I think there's uh, all of Star Wars has a uh, elements of camp and levity um, that I think were missing from <laughs> Rogue One. <laughs> um, but uh, Return of the Jedi really, like there was definitely like a lot of cocaine that went into the making of <laughs> yeah. Return of the Jedi. Just like and talking about weirdness, like you were saying in the Star yeah. Wars universe. Like we all it's also normalized to us because it's so monolithic of an you know and its impact on culture. But like everything in Jabba's Palace, super weird. Oh, the yeah. Ewoks, yes. super weird. Like you know, I I mean one of my favorite, you know, two of my favorite people are Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. And like for various reasons, they are both like fully on another planet in so much of this movie. Um, Carrie Fisher has very publicly said that she was like absolutely high out of her mind for like most of this movie. And there are scenes when you can <laughs> definitely tell. And Harrison Ford just does not want to be there. Yeah. Well, he wanted to die in Empire Strikes Back, right? There's a scene uh, that uh, I wa- almost want to say it's my favorite, but I don't know if that's my heart is in the right place when I say that. But when C-3PO is telling the story of Star Wars to the Ewoks around the campfire, there's one cut where uh, Harrison Ford just for a split second looks into the camera and (laughs) you just see fully for like that split second frame just how badly he just does not want to be there. He thinks this is stupid. (laughs) He's not acting at all. He's just like, oh my God, when will this end? I need to to watch that. Yeah, I'll show you guys that after we stop recording. But uh, if if you're looking up things on on YouTube or your Disney Plus subscription, uh, I highly recommend finding that one like split second because it'll make you laugh every time. (laughs) How do you guys feel about this as the end of the saga right i mean you know for the longest time this was probably conceivably it for star wars do you feel like this ends the original trilogy well yeah i mean i i I think i don't know how else it would have ended (laughs) no i'm not saying like like how it ends i just mean like as an ending movie you know like oh like if i think it like holds up as like a tying up the yeah 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 i think it does uh most movies i feel like they peak in their or most trilogies i feel like they peak in their second movie or in their first movie, but I, I think this one really impresses me in a lot of, in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And I would say looking at it as um, as a six-movie saga, um, you know, I sort of think about the two main arcs of this, you know, original Star Wars saga were, I would argue, sort of the, the political arc of, um, you know, Republic to Empire and then, uh, you know, back to Freedom. Um, and then the personal arc of Anakin Skywalker sort of, uh, you know, becoming a Jedi and then falling and then redeeming himself. And both of those arcs are f- sort of fully realized within the six movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, say what you will about the prequels, but I think that if you look at it in that sort of macro sense, those the prequels add sort of a more full realization of those two sort of main, what I see as kind of the main thrusts of the Star Wars saga. Um, and I love the sequels and I'm a big sequels fan, but I, you know, they're extending that a complete story into yeah. something else. But in terms of kind of like bringing things full circle, I think those two stories were very much fully encapsulated in kind of the six movies and wrapped up nicely by Return of the Jedi. Yeah. On the most recent rewatch, I was pretty surprised by how touching the um, turn by Darth Vader was. I didn't remember it being that significant or 
feeling that earned and it does mm-hmm. at the end of this so i really like that he does i mean he's still an awful person he still killed a whole bunch of kids but i think that that little last moment of redemption proves that luke was right that being the optimist and always believing that somebody has faith in themselves or has good in themselves is the right way to go and so i i liked this as an ending film yeah well just going off that point with vader i I like to think the same as you that, you know, he, he was redeemed and it's a it's a great lesson that, you know, nobody is beyond saving and stuff like that. But also I I sort of wish he he was beyond saving. Well, I because... don't think he was redeemed, but I do think that he it, it was shown that there is still some part of him that's good. It's yeah. lost, but it's still there. I sort of wish he like went out in like a blaze of glory kind of thing, like sticking like sticking to oh, who, okay. he, who he was as Vader because I guess, like, if you didn't know all the stuff with Anakin from the prequels, like, you've only known him as this just, just like, dark monolith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I would say one of the things that I I think is important to sort of talk about is the idea of, like, redemption versus, like, humanization. And I think that one of the things that the sequels kind of better illustrate, especially Last Jedi, is this idea that, you know, it isn't a, a black and white um, even the Jedi and the Sith, the light and the dark side, there's, you know, it's much more complicated than that. And, you know, speaking of sort of, uh, you know, character motivations, like he really ultimately, quote unquote, redeemed himself through like a pretty selfish act. Like he he saved, saved his, his son, yeah. you know, because of the tie of that familial thing, which was also what made him fall in the first place was mm-hmm. his familial ties. So yeah, it's not like. He, yeah, <laughs> but it's not like he did something altruistic in the sense that like he put the greater good above himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that I think, and, and, you know, sort of people will sort of argue like, well, you know, it's unfair that Anakin would get to be like a force ghost with like, you know, all the good guys because like he killed all those kids. But I would say it goes the other way where it's like, really, I think what they're saying is that there's, everyone has a balance and that like Obi-Wan and Yoda like did some like not so great stuff and like we're pretty like much assholes or and or idiots during like some of the prequels oh yeah yeah um and like Yoda's the, a dick in some yeah of the so it's original. like there's not nobody is all roses or you know you know all evil and it's it's more again going back to sort of what i love about kind of the core of star wars being these human stories in a epic setting yeah. um and that vader's redemption kind of very much was like that and and even though it had huge consequences, it very much was a personal moment, which which I think is another sort of hallmark of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. All right. Well, let's close out the original trilogy, David, and just give us your favorite and least favorite moments from the th- sixth film. Sure. Um, I think probably my favorite moment is sort of collectively some of the space battles in the third act. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they... It was like the perfect balance before it, like, before they like totally went overboard and like you know like the Revenge of the Sith like space battle, <laughs> um, but they had enough, you know, development of technology that they could do sort of a much more robust space fight than they had with the you know really looking back on it like very simplistic um, trench runs in the original. Um, so I just think those were really cool and I think gave a really good sense of scale without getting too big in terms of like having a lot of kind of moving parts at play at once. Mm -hmm. Um, I can quickly do least favorite if that's so least favorite. 
poor Boba Fett going out like a little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) He's supposed to be this big, badass, like awesome bounty hunter. And like he basically does absolutely nothing useful (laughs) really throughout the entire original trilogy, but like especially in Revenge, uh, in uh, Return of the Jedi, he can't do anything right and then dies. (laughs) That's what makes me wonder what this obsession is with Boba Fett. Like he sucked. Yeah. Like, why yeah, do so dude, many you people? You had a hat with Boba Fett on it. That I had Jango Fett. On oh yeah, much better. Well, <laughs> he was pretty cool with like dual wielding pistols and those. You know, yeah. I don't have to explain myself. <laughs> okay. Oh, when we get to Attack of the Clones, we'll talk about how awesome Jango Fett is. But, He's whatever. But I, I just, Boba I just thought be. Boba Fett sucked. Well, yeah, Boba no, Fett was, is the ultimate in the theoretical being cooler than what actually happens. Yeah. In that he was this minimally known character who really became famous because of his of the toys he was one of the main toys in empire strikes back Hmm. and because people knew so little about him i think the mystique of him made him people people made him so badass in their heads and that made boba fett cooler than he could ever actually be on screen (laughs) yeah that's a good point what about you ian what are your favorite and least favorite moments so my, going when we were mentioning earlier the part with uh, C-3PO when he was telling the story of Star Wars, that was almost my favorite part, when, just when they thought he was when a he god. the sound oh, effect. it is so funny. <laughs> when, they, when they thought that he was like a god, I, was, yeah, I, was I, 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 I think that's so funny. But I think my, act, my actual favorite part from this movie is something that was edited in. It was <laughs> the the Force Ghost of Hayden Christensen. Oh my God! <laughs> I love that because I, I well I, I just like it because it goes along with that you know Darth Vader killed Anakin Skywalker when you know when Darth Vader was born, and I I, I just like that whole idea because that's I what Obi Wan. To was me, like. that was just real nose thumbing, like. Uh, the fact that both well, Hayden Christensen was in the Force Ghost, and then the fact that they showed Gungans and like the celebrations, yeah, I think was literally George Lucas being like, "Fuck you guys, the prequels are great. This is my movie." <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's really weird. Can you think of any other time in history that that has happened where they're like, "Now nah, we're just gonna go back and edit fully the film. retconning"? Like, I mean, I, what was the Force Ghost before Hayden Christensen? It was just some dude. Uh... Yeah, um, it was just like some Sebastian. Dude. Was it a young dude though? No, he was like middle aged. It's not Sebastian Stan, but it's like something, a name that sounds very similar like that. Was it the <laughs> guy who actually played Vader? Yeah, he was in like a. I'm no, it wasn't David Prowse who played who did the physical Vader, but he was the guy who was in the makeup um, at the end when like his helmet comes off. Oh, okay. And I can't remember what his. So, so he wasn't supposed to be like the younger Anakin. No, he was supposed to be like. Wh- he wasn't like all scarred in the Force Ghost, but like he was just like a like a probably like fifty year old guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, I guess I just don't really like that. That was, I I don't like him being redeemed. I like that it was like Anakin that was the one oh, who was. So like, you're saying like they're two separate characters? Yeah. Okay. What's your least favorite part? It's funny because I feel like a lot of like diehard fans would say that Anakin being yeah. a Force Ghost would be their least favorite part. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm just going to go with my Darth Vader-y being redeemed thing as my least favorite part of the, the movie. Okay. I just don't cool. really like that interpretation of it. I That's know. fine. I know it's the way that they, that they do it in the movie, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so my favorite part is probably the scene where in the, um, when the Ewoks are all 
fighting all the Imperial stormtroopers and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And they set up a trap that just <laughs> smashes <laughs> one of the ATSTs yeah. with two trees. Yeah. And I love it because it looks like if they didn't do it, it looks like they did something very close to it where they actually crushed that thing with well, two giant Well, it's also one of beams. those things where you're like, imagine... <laughs> Imagine setting that up. <laughs> no, no, but imagine if the one that like Chewie had commandeered had like accidentally walked into one of those traps <laughs> and it's like about to save the day and then it just gets flattened. <laughs> and there was somebody in there that just got splattered. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, oh, that's the thing is like the Ewoks are these cute teddle- teddy bears that are brutal murderers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're yeah. amazing. So my least favorite part, um, which is also kind of like, one of the most ridiculous parts of this whole trilogy for me is the end scene when they're partying with the the Ewoks. And it is just so ridiculous. Like they are they are hanging out, they are partying, and they are hugging each other like they haven't seen each other in so long. So like Lando and um Harrison Fort, Han Solo yeah. come up and they're like, oh buddy, like and they're celebrating the victory of the Also, like, why the are they down on the planet and not like up in like one of the massive ships with all the rest of the Rebel Alliance? <laughs> yeah, but like so that hug of like reunion takes place in the middle of the party, which means that Han Solo and everybody else are partying with teddy bears before <laughs> Lando gets to the planet. So that means Han Solo has to be like, hey, I've got a party going on <laughs> with some teddy bears. Come down. It's I'll send lit. you my iPhone drop. And you drop. wonder why Harrison Ford did not want to be there. And Lando was like, yeah, cool. And so he gets there and he comes to this tiny village and it's just dozens and dozens of teddy bears partying. <laughs> and he's like, I'm game. We just beat the Empire. And he like gives his friend a hug. And Luke does the same thing. Oh, so that's, Luke see, is that's also... in character. Lando is always up for a party. I, <laughs> I, just, I just think that's so funny to think that like, they were like, yeah, we're gonna we're planning a party. You guys are gonna come, but you're not gonna come before the party. Like the party has started already and now you're gonna come. It's gonna be like going to somebody's house. And I just think it's ridiculous. It's <laughs> the just social whole... norms of the Ewok party <laughs> yeah. is what you're... Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just Was so that your funny. favorite or least favorite? I can't even remember. I, it was both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just... Yeah, I don't know. That's a, Nobody oh said the uh, Cy Snoodles CGI Jedi Rocks replacement for uh, the whatever the lopty neck uh, in Jabba's palace. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> the so, so I'm sorry. in the special edition, they replaced Lopty Neck. All just gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> People who care about this will know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, in Jabba's Palace, when they perform the musical number. Um, oh, I forgot. Which, oh which people God. hate because it just out. was oh, completely, yeah, completely irrelevant to the plot that. of the movie, unlike the uh, Cantina Band, which was like in the background of like them talking to yeah. Han Solo. But. Uh, Initially, there was a musical number called Lopty Nick, uh, performed by uh, the guy who is the lead singer of Toto, I believe. Oh, my God. Uh, what? <laughs> yep. Um, and then in the special edition, it was replaced by a song with a lot more CGI performers called Jedi Rocks, which okay. is literally horrible. And it's one of those things that, like, Han shot first purists like really hate about the special editions okay. is that particular music number. Okay, I do know what you're talking about now then. That that is a very weird scene and it is super yeah. out of place and the CGI is terrible. Yeah, yeah. I changed my mind. That's my least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of terrible CGI, let's uh let's blow through these uh prequels. I've encountered a virgin's force. A boy 
to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. You believe it's this boy? Dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities. Some consider to be unnatural. With all due respect, Master, is he not the chosen one? Is he not to destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force? Destroy the Sith. We must. I see you becoming the greatest of all Jedi, Anakin. I will, of course, let David defend them a little bit, but let's start first with episode one, The Phantom Menace. What do you guys think about this one, Ian? I really like The Phantom Menace, uh, if only because it sets up for the Clone Wars series. Oh my God, dude, this movie's fucking bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I, the only reason I like it is because of, I guess, <laughs> okay, you know, you're going to make, no, no, you're just I'm making sorry, fun I'm of sorry. me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll be better. I, I, that's bad podcast hosting. Uh, I just, I just really like all of the politics in it. I guess because <laughs> are you that, kidding? Because that's <laughs> that's the only part I like. Of it. Be, be, you like Natalie Portman's be, besides, voice? besides like the Darth Maul fight at the end, which I, of course I really like. I, I, I love that because it sets up for for the Clone Wars because it it questions like the Jedi's whole oh, yeah. place in the war. Wow, yeah. If they're like supposed to be peacekeepers or if should they like be involved at all in the war? So and that's just pod what they, racing. So famously, uh, in the original movies, when George Lucas was directing, he would always tell them to say the dialogue faster, more intense. So, you know, two fighters against a star destroyer. Somebody's got to save our skins. Uh, I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brains. And I always <laughs> say, like Phantom Menace, the dialogue instruction was like slower and more stilted. <laughs> like. Slower Everyone and sounds like they're on lewds in that movie. Oh, yeah. And the first hour, I watched it the other day, and I literally was fast forwarding through like large parts of the first hour because it's just so slow and monotone. And then you get to and like Jar Jar just keeps popping up. And yeah, and and anyone who's not monotone is either like Jar Jar doing like weird racist minstrel show, <laughs> Watto doing like weird racist Middle Eastern accent, and then like Anakin being like been a pilot all my life. Like, like <laughs> and he's like four. Yeah. Are you an angel? <laughs> uh, yeah, and then there's what? like you know. Space angel. Uh, like, then there's Natalie Portman being like, I move for a vote of no confidence and Supreme Chancellor Valorum. And you're like, this is 
ridiculous. Yeah, this this movie is the cinema- cinematic equivalence of Spy Kids 3D game over. There are good moments in it, I will yeah, say. There's good, movie- there's good moments in Spy Kids 3D. <laughs> like... <laughs> Sylvester Stallone's in that one, yeah. but that's a whole separate podcast. <laughs> I actually don't mind Jar Jar as much, I guess. Oh, dude, I, 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 I think he does the same. He's, th- he's I, think awful. He, I think he does the same thing as C-3PO in the original. I actually film. don't mind Anakin because, I, I, I mean, aside from the, like, you know, just the, you know, mind-blowing, like, you know, a badass Darth Vader is like a little kid. Like, little kids are little kids in movies and kind of act the same way. Yeah, and, I agree with you. But, like, Jar Jar is so... So insufferable that it's just I can't I can't do Jar Jar. Sorry. I, yeah, I mean I, I, I don't I mean, love him, but I don't. I think I think you said he's similar to C three PO, but at least C three PO is a human being in like metal, so he's got some limitations and realism to what he does. Yeah, and it's like people shit on him a couple times, and it's hilarious, and they use him sparingly. Like C three PO is probably in all ten Star Wars films as much as Jar Jar is in Episode One. Yeah, it, it is too much. C three PO doesn't get like he pisses hit me in off. the crotch or like steps in poop or like any of the stuff that Jar Jar. Does. He doesn't yeah. accidentally like just release a whole bunch of bombs that happen to save the day. It's like yeah. it's dumb. That, okay. you, you, I'm sure you guys have seen. Sorry, let's all yell at Ian more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ian, tell us another one of your opinions. We, probably, we won't be mean. <laughs> I'm just watching Ian's. I wish this had a video component so we can watch Ian's heart break as we shit on him. <laughs> I don't love this movie. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but I, I did I did really like Darth Maul in the fight at the end. No, yeah, that I mean I, I think that's Duel, my favorite Duel of the Fates is my favorite yeah, part. That, Just that specifically that I've I listen to that in the car all the time. Um I and and I think you know, I think there are interesting speaking of recurring themes the of the first good lightsaber fight. Yeah. I mean speaking <laughs> of recurring themes of the Star Wars saga, I mean the Gungans are very much similar to the Ewoks in terms of, you know, sort of trusting people that we, you know, overlooked or didn't think would be, you know, important on the first try, um, you know, turn out to save the day. Um, And the sort of technology versus nature aspect of that, that's thematically consistent. Um, Yeah, no, it's it's not an awful movie. No, it is. It's an awful movie, but there are (laughs) there are good parts to it. And and I I think when you're a little kid, uh, you're in love with Natalie Portman because she was like, you know, a cute, you know, teen yeah. heartthrob or whatever the female equivalent of heartthrob. If you're me as a little kid, you're really in love with Natalie Portman's outfits. You think they're really cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a Padme Amidala doll when I was a kid. Like, um, But yeah, I mean, there are uh, yeah. heartwarming moments. I mean, I will say the, the like, most offensive part about just the prequel trilogy as a whole is the um, script. Mm-hmm. And when a script has bad CGI, I think that that is just, it doubles everything and makes it bad. And I think that if this script had come out, you know, today and they had put the CGI budget behind it, there would be some pretty exciting things. Like the um, the pod racing scene is pretty exciting, even if it doesn't completely hold up on a CGI spectacle level. That is something that I wouldn't mind seeing a Disney Plus series about, for example. And there are moments of invention and, you know, world building in this. That if the are pod cool. race was half as long, it would be totally fine. Yeah. Like, I, the, the pod race in and of itself isn't 
a bad part of the movie. The, uh, and frankly, no one's talking during it. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> it could be worse. Except for the commentator who is Oh, for great proofs. Like, I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what universe you're from. That's got to hurt. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Spy Kids 3D, I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, all right. So. Did we all say our least favorite parts or yeah. favorite parts? Take part? your like, pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Let's uh let's move on to episode two, Attack of the Clones. David, everything that I said about Phantom Menace, I also think about Attack of the Clones. So I would love to know okay. the, I would the say difference for you. I, my thesis for why Attack of the Clones is the best prequel is because it is the most cohesive as a movie. Phantom Menace is really slow, really long is kind of just like their side plots and like, you know, things that, you know, the whole Tatooine sidetracking, you know, totally Podrace is an example of it. And it's just drags. Revenge of the Sith is like a mismatch of like, let's cram everything that we like almost forgot about into the last movie. And so there's just too much of everything in Revenge of the Sith. And there's cool moments, but it's like too much CGI, too much battling, too much fighting too much angstily looking out into the windows. Like, there's just a lot of conflicting ideas. Like, Revenge of the Sith is just oversaturation in a movie. Um, Whereas Attack of the Clones, I do think, is it is a linear plot. Everything is sort of moving in a direction and advancing um, in a cohesive way. Um, There are some bonkers acting and dialogue choices in the middle there but in terms of like kind of just like start to finish the story of the movie i think attack of the clones makes sense has kind of a good balance of action character building you know plot mystery resolution arcs and and i think hits kind of the notes in a much more balanced way than either phantom menace or revenge of the sith I'm glad you think it makes sense. <laughs> no, that was very, very well put. And I, I can't reject it just simply because I don't remember most of it. it I, I, I avoided well, you haven't watching seen it, it 25 yeah. times like I have. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just, I just remember so many parts of that being like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, but on the other hand, we got some of like the best lines in Star Wars. Like, I hate sand. <laughs> it's and, coarse and rough and irritating. Yeah. It gets everywhere. Not like you. Here, you don't get no, anywhere. No, 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 no. He says... Here everything is soft and smooth <laughs> and it touches her arm and it's the creepiest part. <laughs> and honestly, though, the thing is, though, like, it's weirdly perfect in the way that, like, that is how a, like, socially stunted, like, 18-year-old <laughs> who is, like, rediscovering the first girl to give him a boner would ever, like, would act. Yeah. Like, he's essentially, like, a weird, like, Mormon kid because he's, like, got, like had a weird childhood where he was a slave and then went to like re- essentially like just monk like Mormons. school. Um, <laughs> no, but like he he I was weirdly yeah, sheltered and not properly socialized and then like has all these weird complexes around his mom and abandonment and is tying that into like this previously maternal figure who's now like hot to him and kind of the same age and like it's super fucked up and awkward to watch but I think in a weird way it's like realistically awkward to watch because that's how that character like would react to (laughs) yeah i mean it's like some of the worst parts of eighth grade just kind of like not worst parts as in like bad but worst parts as in like most cringiest parts of the movie eighth grade 
yeah. just put in this movie for like a couple seconds. And um, yeah, I, I can't deny that like somebody probably does say things like that. But oh, man, it was I don't, I don't know if it was intentional, David. See, that, that's what I would say was what it is, is. I think the problem is that I don't know if George Lucas knows that it's not romantic. Like, this is fucking romantic. <laughs> this is what I did. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it's it's definitely a lot. And like uh, the uh, I would actually <laughs> say the wor- more people always talk about that scene. I think the more cringy scene is the like fireplace scene where she's like, I'm a senator and you're a Jedi Knight. And he says the line, I'm haunted by the kiss that you never should have given me. Um, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that scene is so unbearably painful to watch. So much more so than the sand scene, and I and for whatever reason that one has like caught on more yeah. in the popular culture. <laughs> Wait, but. David, just where did you put this on your list? I'm just it's, curious. It's the best prequel, and I liked it better than Rogue One. <laughs> okay, again, so, in terms so of, sixth, uh, seven, clones, Sith, Rogue One, Menace. Okay. okay. Um, I, I again, I I enjoy watching it. I think the Jedi battle scene. Speaking of like things that are satisfying when you're a nine-year-old watching the movie like the scene of all of the jedi showing up and rescuing everybody yeah. is fucking awesome that was my favorite samuel part l jackson is a badass yeah like yoda finally whipping out his lightsaber after yeah. like knowing he's had it in him all along because i would say the reverse of that is like if you're a kid who loves yoda and not an adult mm-hmm. is like you know yoda's a badass like intrinsically because of how he's portrayed in the original sequels and then in clones you finally get to yeah. see him do what you fulfill what you knew he was capable of all along um so i mean again and and i do think legitimately the obi-wan jango fett fight scene is really good um yeah that's true yeah Mm -hmm. um the asteroid belt chase is really good the droid factor is a nightmare we can skip over that oh my god (laughs) i I was i was trying to remember what the hell that was from like i have vivid imagery of some character jumping down conveyor belts and i was like what is that and it yeah, it's Attack of the Clones. Ugh. The the speeder God. chase through Coruscant was a really good sort of car chase type scene. Mm. I, I mean, I think it has legitimately really good moments in it. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna abstain from favorite and least favorite just because I don't remember anything about this movie. <laughs> but uh, Ian, why don't you give us your least favorite and favorite mo- moments? Yeah, my my favorite moment was definitely when uh, the Jedi revealed themselves at the, like the the Coliseum to rescue. Uh, the main characters but my least favorite is definitely just like padme and anakin yeah okay that's fair yeah <laughs> just a blanket statement yeah <laughs> all right david what about you um your last uh last <laughs> on your favorite star wars <laughs> uh i think oh, the the nine-year-old in me wants to say that my favorite moment is yoda taking out his lightsaber the the cinema fan in me does like some of the legitimately does like some of the kind of like noir you know uh, detective film moments with Obi-Wan kind of like verbally sparring with Jango Fett. I think those are cool. Least favorite. I mean, so many, uh, there's so many Padme Anakin cringe moments that I love to talk about and love to hate um, when they're coming out into the arena. And she says, I truly deeply love you. And before we die, I want you to know. It's like, who talks like that? <laughs> um, the Academy Award-winning actress from yeah, 2010. Um, <laughs> but I would also say that actually my least favorite moment is any of the C-3PO head switch with a battle droid moments, <laughs> including but not limited to the various puns he says, like when R2 
is dragging his head away in the battle and he goes, oh, this is such a drag. And then when he drags him over to his body and he goes, oh, I'm right behind, beside myself. <laughs> Literally so bad. <laughs> Those are the worst moments maybe in the entire saga. <laughs> wow. All right. that That's a bold claim. <laughs> so let's move on to episode three. This is the last of the prequel trilogy, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> All right. This movie I still think is pretty bad. It just at least looks kind of good, and there are some really sick fight scenes at the end. I just see this That's movie. My summary. Yeah, I, I I really like parts of this movie, and it's all pretty pretty much just a lead up to the finale. That's what I think of this movie as. Like it's just teasing you until the end. Yeah. Although there's good. I, I mean, the I think there's a lot of <laughs> <laughs> the problem with my problem with Revenge of the Sith is I think there's a lot of good action sequences, but everything between them is garbage. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's I, true. I love yeah. they they finally like gave like Ian McDermott his time to shine oh my God. At, as Chancellor Palatine, and I thought he that was so good in this movie. Unequivocally, my favorite moment is the scene chewing upon scene chewing of them just being like Ian. Go crazy. Yeah. Like, do whatever you want to do. And him cackling. I am the Senate. The Darth Plagueis. <laughs> and uh, uh, what is the um, the way he says the line? Um, no, no, no. That's a good one. But <laughs> That's then there's, really good. Uh, uh, use my knowledge. I beg of you. Like, it's just like so every single one of his moments, he's just like, uh, guys, I'm going to act the most in this scene. And they're like, honestly, turn it up to an 11. Please do. I'm not going to act the best, but I am going to act the most. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I mean, again, I would say that Revenge of the Sith, uh, speaking of my past podcast appearance, is the most Fast and furious of the yeah. Star Wars movies. Okay. Um, and that there's just like a lot of everything happening all at once. And if you want a lot of movie, Revenge of the Sith is the movie for you. Yeah, I mean, there are good things i really like general grievous i think it's a that is a badass design mm-hmm. and he fights obi-wan and it's really cool although coughing droid jedi cyborg thing alien um is always a lot yeah yeah no well, i mean it's a lot they but... explore that in the clone wars <laughs> okay <laughs> enough of you with the clone yeah, wars the, Ian. I'm, i actually really hate the clone wars oh my God. i know they get good in the latter seasons but i've never been able to get through enough of the early seasons to enjoy the latter ones <laughs> so great uh, I liked Rebels, though. Um, I, w- I would say least favorite moment of Sith. There's a scene which you always forget until it happens to you and you're stuck in the middle of it like quicksand um, where Anakin is deciding what to do. And there is a conservatively five minute scene with no dialogue, nothing happening, just him staring out the window of the Jedi Temple and Padme staring out the window of her apartment and just cutting back and forth between that in silence <laughs> while the sun sets. It's interminably long you always forget it's there and then you're like why is this happening <laughs> and then just the macro sense like poor natalie portman had has absolutely nothing to do in that movie besides be a victim be pregnant, and an yeah. object of men fighting over her and it is so dumb that she dies of a broken heart why yeah why like first off huge fuck you to luke and leia I've lost the will to live, even Medically, though I have kids. she's perfectly healthy, but yeah, for reasons like, we can't explain, <laughs> we are losing her. Why? Why? Why doesn't she just die in childbirth? I don't understand. It's, like, it's, yeah, it's I guess it's to make stupid. it 
like yeah. a consequence that you know Anakin lost her or something like that. Maybe but she like, also goes through. He... I mean, I, I'm gonna write it off to just like George Lucas having limited knowledge of like female health <laughs> because like, <laughs> yeah. she also goes through an entire pregnancy over the course of like what appears to be like maybe a week. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I, I mean, what would have made sense to me is she accidentally gets injured by Anakin because she like jumps in front of Obi-Wan or something and then they have to take the babies out of her because you know she's unsuitable or something yeah so because they have to take the babies out early she dies and so it still is Anakin's fault I don't know I'm pretty sure that's scientifically much more reasonable than yeah. she's lost the will to live what the from fuck? a from a like filmmaking you know feminism standpoint too it's just like and like in the first movie she's like a queen she's a badass she fights in the second movie she like you know what, what does she do in the arena? <laughs> she gets her uh, shirt ripped into a she, crop top. You know, exists. <laughs> um, she has, you know, a, a plot line. In the third movie, she walks around barefoot and is pregnant and sad. You're breaking and it's like, my heart. Annie. This is this is a. She's arguably a more powerful person in the world of the Republic. Yeah. Than Anakin is, and it's, and there's a lot of one of the things that's shitty is that one of the. That there's a series of deleted scenes from Revenge of the Sith where you see Padme, uh, Space Jimmy Smiths, and um, Mon Mothma start to form the Rebel Alliance. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're a group of senators that sort of starts having these meetings of like, hey, we're concerned about the direction the Chancellor is taking things. And that's the only thing in the entire movie that she like does that has agency. And they cut it out of the final yeah, cut. Yeah, I remember saying that. So huh. that's really sad. <laughs> yeah. That, I haven't even gotten to my least favorite part. My Probably my least favorite part is how the Jedi all go out like punk asses. I like, know, yeah. There's several Jedi that Palpatine... I mean, so in the first scene when Palpatine is confronted by Samuel L. Jackson and two Jedi, those guys, they just die instantly. Like, how are you Jedi? The, how- the no prize answer is that he's like, the best yeah well, or, he's like using the force to like slow down their reaction time because like Sidious's whole no. thing is that like he's good at like tricking and controlling people but that's a real fucking strategy yeah. <laughs> and how much cooler would it have been to see like an extended four-on-one yeah. lightsaber yeah. Film, yeah you know like yeah and like some of the jedi like she just uh there's the one jedi who looks like the girl from clone wars i can't Kit, are you thinking Kit Kit Fisto? Fisto? maybe and she just gets gunned down by like six or seven uh, oh, no, oh, you're thinking of Isla Sakura. Yeah. 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 And like, come on, at least block a couple and take some dudes out. She just goes down. It's well, and again, uh, like, uh, you know, stormtroopers, clone troopers, battle droids, like, they're absolutely disposable when the plot needs them to be. And then, you know, formidable when the plot, yeah. the one time the plot needs them to be. It's yeah. like, so, Ian, then what is your least favorite moment of episode three to round, round us out? Yeah, what I can't seem to understand is how Anakin went from like zero to one hundred, killing kids. Like he was on the fence. You've never been in love, have you? <laughs> <laughs> but he was like on the fence for a while about like where he stood in all of this, and then he was just like, "Yeah, no, th- these younglings have to like fucking die." Well, and and honestly, I think I mean it's it's bad writing and like no hesitance. <laughs> I also think a better actor sorry hating christensen but a better actor could have sold that as he is choosing to do something horrible to save his family and that that is essentially 
tearing him apart, but that. He didn't treat it like that. Yeah, because he's not a good actor. <laughs> no, and they also didn't really allow him time yeah, to do that, right? Or It was both poorly written and poorly acted, but there was a way to sell that fall. Like, I don't. Oh, for sure. But yeah. it, like, yeah, that's my complaint. Is that people wasn't. always say he, he fell so far so fast. And I think it's less about the speed and more about just the way that it was crafted and framed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And again, like similarly to, you know, freaking Dak and Empire Strikes Back, like that kid at the end could not be more of a like sickeningly like, cute, like Master Skywalker. Yeah. There's like, too many of that. You like, could have had a sign that says kill me. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just like, like, uh, like Disney level, like, you know, animated big cute yeah. eyes. What like, was he cast at? Like in the cast, it was probably like kid to be cute killed. Dead kid. Yeah. yeah cute dead kid. <laughs> I kind of wanted, not actually, but like how awesome would it have been if like they had fully leaned into it and just shown like a bunch of dismembered children? <laughs> Jesus, David. <laughs> You would no longer have the argument that uh, Rogue One is the darkest of the yeah. Star Wars movies. <laughs> well, Revenge of the Sith was the first one to be rated PG-13, and that was controversial oh, at the time. Hmm. Okay. Well, then let's move on to the Disney trilogy. So we have a huge um, layover, right? Ten, ten years or so? Layover. Oh, my God. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. This movie is definitely a product in a lot of different ways, but I think it is a very good product. And I think it's ridiculously entertaining. I think it's well shot. And I think that it has great characters who are interesting yeah. and charming. And they do feel like different characters than the ones in the original trilogy, both in the way they look and in their personalities. Mm-hmm. And I'll definitely accept that the plot is very similar to A New Hope, but I think that that's kind of a necessary evil of this being the first chance to make a good Star Wars movie in 35 years. Like, I think they kind of had to hold on to something that was really comfortable and they had to play it safe because this was had to be so many things for so many people. So because of that, I don't personally knock that against The Force Awakens and that's why it's one of my favorites. Yeah, but I, I, I agree with that and I don't, like I know, so many critics hated it because of how similar it was to uh, the plot of A New Hope. But I sort of felt my main criticism of this was that it seemed to reference the the prequels 
not the prequels, um, the original trilogy too much in a way that didn't seem natural. I thought they were very much going like with like telling and not showing how how the original trilogy was affecting like this current world. Like everybody was always whispering about like the exploits of like Leia and Luke and Han and stuff, but it didn't seem like it was something that they would naturally do. The only natural effect that I or the only natural reference that I saw to the original trilogy was through the character of Kylo Ren, I thought. Because yeah. like people complained that it was just like another guy in a black mask with a red lightsaber. But it, he's like such a different character, but he's inspired by the like original trilogy character, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. I I mean, I don't personally agree. I think it does a pretty good job at referencing it without it feeling forced. But um, I definitely see like reasons why you might think that for sure. And I would say that part of why I, I, I really liked it, I think it's super watchable. Yeah, and if you're gonna have a movie that's a you know it's a little derivative, isn't the most original thing ever. It's it's a beautiful looking movie. It's beautifully oh, yeah. shot. Mm-hmm. It's really well acted. Uh, you know, Kylo Ren. Like what they've done with that character is such a testament to Adam Driver just being oh, a, yeah. a phenomenal, phenomenal actor. And that character could easily have been a sort of Hayden Christensen part two kind of mm-hmm. you know floppy caricature of kind of an angsty teen and what he has done with that character ha- has made him I would say probably the most compelling part of the new trilogy yeah yeah um, definitely and I I mean I, I I just feel like it was one of those things where it was JJ sort of being like I'm going to give the people what they want I'm going to give them the references I'm going to give them the you know a familiar movie yeah. we're going to get old Han Luke and Leia like but within the confines of that being like well I'm also going to like make a using those bones I'm going to make build a damn good movie around it you yeah. know like yeah. and I think that that gives allows me to give it such a pass in part because I think there was such a thirst for it that it really mm-hmm. was responding like i remember watching that first teaser trailer where uh, i don't know if you remember it but it's so it's like um it cuts to a bunch of characters kind of scenes like you know there's been an awakening uh the dark side and the light and the final scene of the movie is just just the star wars uh, of the tr- teaser is just the star wars theme and it's the millennium falcon flying around on jakku mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that moment like i just remember watching that just like it, it it just took my breath away, you know, and, and it just that I think that was sort of the feeling that was needed by the audience for a yeah. movie like that. And and, it, you know, and again, it's like if you're going to do fan service, do really good fan service. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> and they did that. Um, and, and that definitely appealed. You mentioned the, the thing about Kylo Ren. And I think Kylo Ren is a fantastic villain because they could have, if they were doing a shot-for-shot shot remake of A New Hope, they could have, Ian, like you said, just made another Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And at first, he does seem like that, but then, you know, he takes off his mask almost instantly, and you see that unlike Darth Vader, he doesn't have to wear the mask. He's choosing to wear the mask. He is just this kid. He's a punk-ass kid, and he's just super entitled. And I think it's, like, a great uh, villain for 2018 or 2016 or whenever this came out, 2015. And like you just don't get a type of character, a villain specifically, who is almost 
struggling to be a villain. Yeah. Right? Like he has this part of him that's pulling him towards the light side. It's just a very interesting subversion. Yeah. And it makes that character, like you said, he's the most compelling part of this trilogy. And after The Last Jedi, he's pretty much the only like remaining arc that I feel fully invested in and like what is going to happen to him. And I think that's really cool. I love Adam Driver too. And so he makes this trilogy for me. One thing I, I, I want to be sure to touch on that um, I, I would guess based that you guys wouldn't, wouldn't resonate with you. But so I, I mentioned this earlier, I was a big expanded universe kid uh, and, and read the books um, religiously um, and was pretty, was pretty annoyed when they did the whole thing where they're like, we're going to scrub everything yeah. and make it legends. Cause some of my, I, I would say some of the star Wars content that I, you know, loved the most was like uh, the Timothy Zan novels and um, you know, the, the, some of the stories, um, you know, in the Yuuzhan Vong war, like the, all this stuff that they sort of were like, eh, not canon anymore. Like was to me growing up was as much star Wars as the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I, loved about the force awakens is that they actually took so many elements of the eu and brought them sort of into the new universe in not specifically but thematically so design wise i don't know if you guys ever played knights of the old republic as a kid so like kylo ren and ray are very much sort of modeled on uh bastila and darth revan from knights of the old republic Mm -hmm. um they kind of have like a similar dynamic the uh, if you look at darth revan like he looks exactly like kylo ren yeah. um and uh, uh jason solo is in the eu he's a, oh, he's yeah. han and leia's yeah. son who becomes um falls to the dark side and becomes bad at some point like they they've hit on um and in the in the eu they have twins son and daughter and the daughter redeems uh, Jason Solo at the end when he dies. So like, we'll see what happens in episode nine. But like, <laughs> I liked that it was like a weird nod of respect that they were like, sort of like, okay, for just for practical reasons, Disney kind of needs to scrub the slate clean. But we're not saying this is stuff is bad. We're saying a lot of the material is good and valid and important and we're going to incorporate it. We're going to, uh, I would say, lovingly steal. <laughs> I don't know how like, you know, the coder game designers feel about it because they're probably not getting paid for Force yeah. Awakens. But, yeah. um, you know, uh, I, I like that they sort of, despite scrubbing the EU, also sort of brought a lot of it, in, you know, into the modern sensibility in a new way, which as a fan of the expanded universe, I sort of appreciated. Nice. Ian, what's your favorite and least favorite moment from The Force Awakens? Um, my favorite moment probably has to be the flying of the Millennium Falcon on Jakku. I thought the whole scene was so cool, seeing them work together like that. And it was... I I saw people saying... The uh, engine stall when she flips it and then he shoots the last TIE fighter. Oh, it's so Yeah, that that is so cool. And I just saw like a ton of people online complaining about how they were able to do that. Like they should be novices and stuff. But I was like, all right, shut up. It's Star Wars. (laughs) The Force. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, I, I thought that was a great scene. And my least favorite, uh, my least favorite actually probably has to be the um, the Star Killer base, the the whole thing. Oh, okay. That like that, was, the that was that was the ending? only that was the only part that I couldn't really get into, especially with Han and how he was treating it. He was like, "Oh yeah, there's always a way of blowing these things up." I was <laughs> like, "Give me like any other like classic third act." action movie yeah. 
Like I, I just have seen this before. You know, you you just told us that we're doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. that was the only time I, I I felt like they were doing the same thing over again. It wasn't working for me. Yeah, David, how about you? So there are literally so many moments in this movie I love that I don't know if I could pick a favorite. I would say I love the character of Ray and so much of what they did with her was mm-hmm. good. I'm going to say I'm going to narrow it down to two favorites okay. <laughs> um, at the beginning <laughs> and the end. The My first favorite was, and I love the final shot of the movie, sorry, <laughs> but uh, when the very beginning when um, Kylo Ren stops the blaster bolt in midair, oh, that was gonna be oh, I remember yeah. sitting in the movie theater and just being like, oh, I'm in. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I know I'm from minute three, I I know that I'm going to yeah. love this movie. Like, that just so set the tone so well to be like, it's cool, but it's real Star Wars, but it's a new thing. Yeah. And it's, oh, it was just so good. Yeah. And then the other scene that I would say was just, it was just incredible, was um just the scene with um Kylo Ren and Han Solo on the bridge. Okay. Where it was just... I mean, you just you just hold your breath watching that scene every time because it's just so. It, I mean, it it again a thing that was pretty rare from the first six movies where it like truly was just let's put two really good actors opposite each other and let them have a real grounded emotional scene together within the larger context of Star Wars yeah. <laughs> and coming off the prequels that that was like a breath of fresh air even though it's obviously heartbreaking in yeah, its outcome. Oh, and then the way that Chewie like yells yeah. and tries to shoot Kylo yeah. immediately. Yeah. Brutal. Um my favorite scene is right after that. I really love the how raw the lightsaber fight lightsaber fight. Wow. The lightsaber fight between Kylo Ren and Ray is. Mm. I just think that they're both so Kylo is using this clearly fabricated and self-constructed lightsaber and Ray is just not good at it yet and it's just a very scrappy fight and I think that it's not the most exciting lightsaber fight in the entire Star Wars uh, saga but it's one of the best ones yeah so that's my favorite although moment. I will say the plot convenience of the ground splitting between them oh, yeah. is like pretty bad <laughs> dude it's poetic the light and the it's the force it's the force yeah. That's the uh, ultimate plot excuse. I will say singular moments when she, when the lightsaber flies past Kylo Ren and lands in her hand. No, past uh, Finn. N- no, no, no. When uh, I think they do it he again. like knocks Finn to the ground yeah. and then oh, he yeah. tries to force call the lightsaber to him and it goes, it like flies past him and ends up in Ray's hand. And that's just a, just like such a cool moment. But then also Daisy Ridley, who also is an, an incredible actor, the way she reads in her face of she, is just as surprised as Kylo Ren is <laughs> that she was able to call the lightsaber and sort of her, like that's, you know, that's like the whole movie in a nutshell for her. Mm-hmm. It's just like that reaction to sort of be like, this is happening to me and I don't know why, but I just have to roll with it. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My least favorite part is the um, plot mechanism of having a timer countdown for the Starkiller base going off. I hate when there is artificial tension built from like oh you got three hours to do this thing or yeah. they'll be like there's three minutes left and in the three minutes they get to something that's 800 meters away do something for three minutes and then get out and then it times off it's like i i just hate when movie logic breaks down like that and they do that mm-hmm. in this film so i could have really used without that but it's a small nitpick i think i would, I would agree I, I i think that's actually probably my least even just the space fights just really forgettable yeah. The rescue scene is really cool. 
and and the the there's a the scene where they're rescuing and uh Poe Dameron's X-wing goes through it's a single tracking shot and he shoots down I think it's 11 tie fighters in a row and that's the one that's capped by Finn goes like oh that's one hell of a pilot but like you can literally fall follow his X-Wing in the background of the scene from the ground as it just weaves through and just shoots down like TIE fighter after TIE fighter after TIE fighter. It is just so, it's so cool and so sophisticated compared to what sort of previous uh, X-Wing scenes have looked like. Um, That then, yeah, it was just a bit of a letdown when it was sort of just like standard forgettable trench run at the end. Yeah, true. All right, let's move on to Rogue One. David, you, I know that you do not like this. Ian and I both really love this movie. I like it. So I like it. I should specify. Okay. okay. This is my favorite one. And I think it's probably, it might be for reasons that you, or the, it might be for reasons that you don't like it. And I do like the kind of grittiness and the darkness of it and how it's feels like it's a war and it feels like there are actual serious stakes and there's less whimsy to it. I just felt that everything in this film, it's shot beautifully. It's got a great score. Mm-hmm. It's not John Williams. So, you know, I guess it's inferior a little bit because of that, but I think Michael Giancino does a great job with it. And I just really like that they made... <laughs> I find it funny that this film is essentially the most expensive plot hole filler in <laughs> like history, but what they do with it, they just make the world feel so much more lived in from a ground level than all the other Star Wars films. And I really like the world-building parts of this film. See, I would say that... Uh, so I think I, I liked this film more until Solo came out. Because I think Solo did... I don't understand why people didn't love that movie because I loved Solo. I thought it was great. And I think Solo did kind of like gritty, scoundrel heist movie mm-hmm. better than Rogue One did. I think all of the characters in Rogue One were, were really quite one note. Um, I know people like Diego Luna as an actor. I found him very... Like he kind of just like delivers all of his lines the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are good actors. I mean, Felicity Jones is good. Um, what's his name? Riz Ahmed is good. We'll get to my least favorite part of the movie later. But um, like uh, these good actors are in it and then are sort of reduced to these very one-dimensional characters that I don't, I really don't feel, I think the the character I felt the most sad about dying was uh, K2SO. And oh, when yeah, you're sad definitely. about the droid dying <laughs> most of all, like that's not a good sign for the human characters. Like, they all felt very much sort of means to an end. Um, mm. And and sure, you could argue that it's nice that it's self-contained, but it just felt very sort of like everyone had their kind of one like Ocean's Eleven-y style shtick. And I didn't really, okay. it, it kept me from being emotionally invested in any of the characters individually. Yeah. So I kind of liked the idea that they were this collective team mm-hmm. as opposed to individuals. They It was kind of... The whole idea was them sacrificing individually for the sake of this ultimate mission that kind of propels essentially everything that we get in the original trilogy into action. And I think that's a pretty interesting message and also a pretty grim message, you know, like that it requires sacrifice and this is a war. And I think you see that a lot with the giant, giant scope of this film. You see, for the first time, you really get a feel for how large the Star Destroyer is, and you get a feel for what it looks like to be getting shot at by an ATAT. And I think that that kind of feeling just 
I it, it feels so much more real and raw than a lot of the other Star Wars films to me. I, I think it was beautifully shot for sure. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't have that like enjoyability. Yeah, aspect. It's, it's not. It's certainly not as magical as some of the other Star Wars, and not not yeah. magical as in like it doesn't have the force or anything. It's but not like, a feel good movie. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> well, it is. In a way, but it's not like it's not whimsy. Yeah. There's no um And movies can even with movies being serious, like um I just like what's her name? Um from Westworld who's in solo, uh Woody Harrelson's wife and the uh Rachel Evan. No, uh no no no. She's in solo. She plays Woody Harrelson's oh, like girlfriend. Oh, Tandy Newton. Tandy Newton. She's in that movie for like two seconds, and I like care more about her and like her more as a character than anyone in Rogue One. Yeah. Like <laughs> they just all felt very just like well, I'm here. I'm hitting my lane. I'm doing my job. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. I, I I agree with Mati that it felt very real as opposed to the other movies where they sort of have this Jedi yeah, invinci- protection, protection around yeah. them. You feel like these characters, like even though you do sort of know that they're going to die. But they, you, they're all protected until they do their one part of the final <laughs> plot of the movie and then they immediately die. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, the, but these are characters that in the other Star Wars movies, for example, like you would see these characters get killed off in the background and like you wouldn't know anything about them. And I really like this whole going into their perspective thing. And I, I hate to go back to it, but once again, this reminds me of the Clone Wars because... It uh, it goes into stories that wouldn't be otherwise explored in uh, the Skywalker saga, you know? Yeah. Can I ask you guys a question? Because I still genuinely do not know the answer to this. Is there supposed to be a romantic plotline between Felicity Jones and Diego Luna? No. No, I don't think so. Because when they're like sitting on the beach at the end, like it's very like when they're about to die. Three, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I very think like threads just... the needle to be like, do they like each other? Are they gonna kill? Like. No, I, I just thought it was just like them like coming all this way together. Yeah. Okay, and... I'm glad you said that because I'm like they have could not have less chemistry together. And I was like, if they're trying to sell this as like yeah, this no. is a romantic <laughs> plotline, they're doing a horrible job. No, I mean, yeah. I, th- I think if they got out of there alive, they probably wouldn't like each other. And I will say, <laughs> I I have one. That, this doesn't qualify as my least favorite part because there's one part that we haven't touched on yet that is so abominable to me. But. Um, <laughs> The, my one note for Rogue One, which I think would honestly, honestly would probably take it up a couple places if they just made this one change, which is if they just eliminated the Kranich Vader scene in the middle, and which really didn't do anything for the plot of the movie. Yeah. And if the first Vader reveal was the, was end. the yeah. very end, his oh. lightsaber igniting in the dark hallway, you haven't seen him in the whole movie until that moment. Yeah. Can you imagine how amazing that would be? Yeah, that's you still are, a great scene to because, begin with. Because at the back of the at the back of your mind in this movie, you know that Vader exists in this movie. Yeah, but you and haven't be there. to that yeah. point. You've seen Tarkin on the Death Star, and you haven't seen any of sort of the main core characters. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's, your brain that's would sort dude. of say <laughs> we're going to do all the minor characters and not have anyone main in the movie. Mm-hmm. So having the movie end with the Vader and Leia reveals, which I actually don't mind the Leia. I know some people like hate that part, but yeah. um, uh, ha- having those revealed in the very end, I feel like A, would sort of make it more of a clear handoff into episode four to be like, oh, it's these character stories now, but also would make that reveal so badass. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah damn, yeah. You're, you're right. I, I completely agree I with agree you. With That's that. brilliant. So um, I will say that that is my favorite moment 
It's probably my favorite moment from all of the series. It, he, they just do such a good job at making him such a badass so quickly. And one thing I don't think they give him, they get credit for is that like people say the counter argument to that is like, oh, well, he does all that badass stuff and then he's like not as badass when he fights Obi-Wan in the next yeah. movie. But if you actually watch that scene closely, he doesn't do a lot of like fancy lightsaber work. No. He does he essentially like walks forward and hacks through a bunch of people and uses the force in cool ways, but like he doesn't do like episode three like flips or spins or anything with yeah. the lightsaber. So I actually think they did a really good job of making him have a badass scene while still sort of in keeping it in the parameters of like, oh, Darth Vader, like he's kind of like this robot that can't move super well. And that's why he's like not as mm -hmm. mobile in episode four. Um, yeah. So I think that they they should get credit for that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. My least favorite part is I do not like the video game parts of them getting the like the, the stardust yeah. thing out and then having oh, to yeah. jump through what, the metal yeah. gates. Why, it's like, why is why do they do that? Why is that it, necessary? It was so weird in them having to climb Because in the Rogue One video and, game, you'll have to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maneuver. The, it's so weird. It was yeah. almost like it was like a DIY adventure or something. And well, so again, it's like you, you don't like plot resolutions to come down to chance you want them to be the result of the character's skill or character choices skill or, of yeah. using the and, fucking and, yeah and just like realistically why would that why would that wall of things exist like that yeah it's, <laughs> it's a terrible way to store documents yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that there wouldn't be an automated way like it also i think wasn't to clear get them down you wouldn't use arms they, to whether Jin was using the claws manually or just like programming in but like yeah. why you wouldn't be able to just like type in like Remove this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your least favorite, David? <laughs> okay. I find, and again, I preface like by saying that I, I like a campy element to, I like a bonkers performance. That being said, Forrest, Forrest Whitaker. Whitaker's performance oh. in this movie <laughs> should have won 16 Razzies for how awful it was. <laughs> like, what was that I don't voice? Know, what was he doing? Dude, he's a he's an Oscar winning actor. Yeah. And like it's that was mind blowingly bad. And the idea that this movie was so heavily edited and restructured yeah. and sort of like reshot in production and that they decided to keep in. I'm just like, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't argue with that. That whole thing and like whatever Portgully was. Portgully uh, knows the truth. Yeah. <laughs> no argument here. Yeah. Yeah. Ian, I, how about you? What's I, your least I, favorite? I think that's my least favorite also. I I hate that more than I hate the, the Padme death. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, it has less explanation to me. Like, yeah. at, least oh, the they said, at least they said something. Scene? No, like, when, when Forrest Whitaker died. Oh, just, just, oh, well, yeah. Like, <laughs> I was just glad. I was like, thank, like, can you imagine <laughs> if we had to deal with that fucking voice for the whole movie? Like, Maybe that's why they killed him off. Maybe they edited that in. <laughs> Maybe Forrest Whitaker was like, guys, I don't know why I chose yeah. this voice, but like, I'm done. The best part of <laughs> that movie asthma. was how little he was in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, they didn't even give a reason for it. Yeah. yeah. It was insane. Yeah. And I haven't seen the Clone Wars. So I don't know what the character of Sagarera is. He was like a pretty cool the... character. Okay. <laughs> so he didn't have a weird ass voice? No. Okay. So he, he, had, he had none of those issues. Oh, no. my God. All right, guys, let's end with a bang and talk about episode eight, The Last Jedi. Um, so I think I have this on the lowest on my list. And I will definitely start 
the same way that David said, this is not a bad film. I don't hate this film. Please don't lump me in with the crazies <laughs> that hate this film. And I hate you hit that, all, the like, fact that there's women characters in it. That's your oh, yeah, least no, favorite part. Why are there women here? <laughs> like, man. Why would there be women in space? Yeah, yeah. it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Dudes only. <laughs> no, um, it's unfortunate that you can't criticize the film without being worried about being grouped into those people. But hopefully you guys know me in real life that those who speak the loudest shitty man, baby. <laughs> um, my main problem is that I just don't find the film super entertaining in the same way that I find The Force Awakens entertaining. So um, I think, you know, like all Ryan Johnson films, it's shot really well. I think every scene on the salt planet is beautiful. Yeah. Like the bright red with the stark white. I think that's gorgeous. I really admire and appreciate that Johnson was trying to go for something different. I just think that a lot of the things that they did were ultimately pointless. And for me, that made it feel a little boring that there is no legacy and that the heroes fail and that there's like no good or bad. There just is. I like that message. I just don't find it particularly captivating as a film. I, I can see, David, that you really want to say some I stuff. I so. loved this movie. Yeah, me too. Okay. Um, I, I think the one criticism on it that hits is that the uh, Canto Bite subplot does detract from the overall. That was my next point. But I think all, pretty much all, except for maybe four and five, have moments where you're sort of like, this is part of it, yeah, but it's yeah. not one of the best parts of it. I... I think that similarly to the way that J.J. Um, Abrams, I think, started at let's do fan service and let's build a good movie around that. I think that Ryan Johnson very much started with a couple core ideas, which I think is at its best is what Star Wars does, is it paints these sort of thematic stories in this sort of fantastical sci-fi universe. And I think that Ryan Johnson very much came from a place of Let's think about what are the sort of key arcs and messages that we want to send in this movie, and then let's build a movie around that, rather than let's sort of like plod through different plot points of like hitting all the notes that everybody wants to have mm -hmm. hit to bridge us to episode nine. And so I think that in terms of what you can possibly get out of the middle movie in a trilogy, I would much rather this than some sort of like bridge movie you know, part two of three kind of like additional fan service that leads us into the final scene. And I think there was, I mean, there was plenty of fan service in this movie. There was plenty of sort of, you know, typical Star Wars in it. And I think that it was just the fact that it was a really good movie on its own, very much to me hearkened back to sort of like Empire Strikes Back um, as, as, you know, kind of the best of the Star Wars saga. That is, yeah, it's fair. I think then I guess we probably have kind of fundamentally different desires from a Star Wars movie, maybe in some ways. And I'm not saying like yours is bad and mine is good or the other way around or anything like that. I just found that what's so interesting to me about these films is the lore and the world building. And this film, for better or for worse, and in some ways it is better, is very contained. And literally floating in space. <laughs> yeah. And there, you know, there's large portions of this movie where the character that I find the most interesting, other than Kylo Ren, which is Rey, is on an island, convincing a character from another trilogy that I saw that I got to spend time with already, convincing him to come into this movie. And me knowing that he eventually will come into the movie, he will eventually do the right thing, felt like a lot of stalling and wheel turning or spinning wheels. 
um, instead of giving me novel things for Ray and Poe and Finn to do, which, I mean, it feels like it's weird going into a third film in a trilogy and feeling like I still don't totally know these characters. Um, I know Luke and I know Leia, and I'm sure they will both be in the film somehow. <laughs> um, but I don't find that, like, like I'm not as excited to see what happens to Ray and Finn in episode nine as I was to see what happens to Ray and Finn in episode eight because nothing really happens to them. I do like the um I, I do like the subversion that like Ray's car- parents are probably nobody. We'll see if they change mm, that. Yeah. You know? Um but I like that subversion. Um and I'm not saying that subversion is bad. I just think that sometimes some of the things that Ryan Johnson did felt less like subversion and more like pump faking. And so it felt like I was being leaded on and then disappointed instead of subverted. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say that looking at sort of the whole of where the characters, you know, started and where they went, I think, um, you know, very much shows arcs again, because I think that's exactly what it is, is that this was a very character-driven story. And that the I think that what you're looking for sort of in terms of like the plot advancing like, yeah. really wasn't, yeah, there's there. no plot advancement. And yeah. and frankly, again, comparing it to Empire Strikes Back, like the gang is sort of separated for most of that movie, you know, in terms of plot advancement, like not a lot happens. That movie is essentially just an escape mm-hmm. sequence. Last Jedi is essentially an escape sequence. But what really happens in this movie is is that a lot of characters are forced to confront choices and to make the choices that are challenging to their characters. So for, you know, for Luke, it's his sense of facing the consequences of his past actions and owning up to, you know, his role in the grand scheme of things. Uh, For Poe, it's, you know, learning to see the big picture and not just acting on instinct. Like all of these characters have very distinct arcs within the movie. And I like that it sort of gave space to play in that field that has not always been Star Wars' strong suit of this idea of like, oh, let's have this be like a very internal movie. And, and getting back to what I was saying earlier of like sort of what is the force? Like I think the scenes on Octo with Luke and Ray very much harken back to sort of the Yoda on Dagobah scenes that like got at the heart of sort of what like the force is and is supposed to be. And I, I, I really appreciated that. Like I think a bunch of my favorite scenes and sequences in all the Star Wars movies I think came out of this movie. Really? Um yeah. Like which ones? I'm just curious. Uh yeah, I have a couple here. Uh I really liked Yoda's like final lesson with Luke mm-hmm. when he when one. he burns the the sacred texts of the Jedi and is basically like, yeah, these books like they have generous they were not yeah, they 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 have a lot of knowledge in them, but like this isn't where you're gonna learn your lesson. This isn't where Ray is going to learn her. He just shows her up and he just goes, young Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> the idea that just someone would call, you know, old 60 year old Mark, Mark <laughs> decrepit Mark Hamill, young Skywalker. I feel like just so, it, it was so tonally perfect. And that, that's exactly it is that like Luke, in an attempt to be like, fake like he's this grown-up Jedi master like really has not progressed much at no. all yeah yeah and that's subversive that's interesting yeah and I I really liked that whole uh 
whole sequence. And also, I did really enjoy the Cantobite scene, I guess, but I I I feel like it could have been better if it was in, you know, like a a Star Wars story kind of movie like Rogue One because it really takes you out of what's going on with the main group of characters that you care about in the main story that you care about. But it does tell like a really good story about how the war is affecting the rest of the galaxy and who's getting rich on this and that, that, that whole kind of thing, who's profiting from the war. And another thing I loved was the like Holdo maneuver when yeah. she just light, that light speeds through that's my favorite the part shit. Of the that, that, is, that's my favorite part. I, it, I, I, oh my God, I love that. People, it's really cool, but it definitely is like, um, what is that universe breaking in the sense that I, I'm fine with it. Like, I'm not going to blame one film for like, you know, introducing something that can should have been used in other films. I think that's stupid because these movies are by different people. But it is interesting to think, like, why wouldn't you just do that all the time? Yeah. So this is this is what I will say. My no prize answer for that is the force. Um, no. So <laughs> just a, a just because we haven't seen yeah. it in a Star Wars film does not mean that it is not possible within the universe or has happened before. Um, and then I would also say that that situation was specifically unique within the universe of in other circumstances, you wouldn't. So I would say that what what I think was had to be clear is that it was a large ship that was being used to do that. And I think that in any other circumstance, I think if you tried to do a hy- hyperspace ramming with a fighter, it would be too small to actually break through yeah. the shields of a large capital ship. And I think if you tried to, and then 99 times out of 100, you wouldn't have a fully empty capital ship. So like it wouldn't necessarily be worth like mm. the human sacrifice to try and like sacrifice an entire capital ship to ram a ship like that. So I think that like this was within the universe, like a weird confluence of events that was the first time this had been used so dramatically in this way. Yeah. Um, that I, I actually felt like that was like a really weak criticism of like yeah i don't i don't yeah. i wasn't using it as yeah. a criticism i was and just again, saying that it's, it's even if it was a good criticism it was just so beautifully built Badass. and shot that it yeah. like god and when the, when the when theater went silent, silent oh, oh it's so good it was amazing yeah i will yeah i completely agree and like, you I do can't, like <laughs> in real time with snow uh not snow cox and with Space Lordern and with like uh, the rebels watching, like you sort of realize what she's about to do at the same pace as the characters yeah. do. And that's just really good movie making right there. Yeah. Like So I do wanna say again that like I don't hate this film. <laughs> um I'm just being the person that's also not second love favorite thrum rune scene. Oh yeah. That from, 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 no, yeah, that yeah. was my next scene that I was gonna so, say. I love that. Um I think the interesting point with a lot of the things that you mentioned are they're not moments with the characters that we got to spend time with in the force awakens by and large yeah and that to me was like i i don't know something about the force awakens like i don't i don't know it just it felt like they the new characters the characters that i cared about finn doesn't get anything to do in this film the one time that he tries to do a sacrifice he gets side rammed which makes no sense by the way that's by, my least favorite part of the movie. Tico. yeah um um yeah and like those characters, they just, I don't feel like Poe gets anything to do 
he doesn't have any sick scenes other than the open actually the opening the opening, opening scene cool. really yeah cool. but after that he's not in the film really other than to fail and i i do like the idea of characters failing and showing that you know um characters fail and sometimes you just have to let the past die and all this really interesting thematic stuff is cool i just i just felt let down by kind of how the film handles advancing the actual trilogy arc and i will say the the subversion of poe that i loved was sort of you know the the answer to the complaint of force awakens was like oh it's another like fighter blowing up a death star scene and Poe's fighter getting blown up at the beginning of Last Jedi, I think, was sort of their way of saying, like, all problems in the Star Wars universe can't be solved by, like, one guy in a fighter getting lucky with a shot. And, like, Poe yeah. Dameron is very much the epitome of, like, the guy who wants to be the one guy in the fighter getting lucky with the shot. Yeah. So the idea that he had to wrestle with a larger strategic picture because for the first time in the history of Star Wars, there wasn't just a thermal exhaust port to solve right. your problems, I think was actually like a really good way yeah. of sort of bringing something to his character that also resonated sort of in the larger trilogy arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I think I'll just say one last point. After this film, I felt like I don't really know what's going to happen in episode nine. And it's similar to the way that at the, uh, after the first, can we all make 20 one, minutes? Can we all make a prediction for episode nine? <laughs> yeah. But let me just say that like after the first 20 minutes of Endgame, for example, you go in and you expect a film and then you have no idea what's going to happen next after that. That to me was exciting. Whereas I feel like I don't know what's going to happen and I don't even really want to try and guess or really care what's going to happen because I don't see any threads continuing. Wait, so you're saying Endgame was not predictable? Um, I'm saying, yeah, Endgame was not predictable. You, you find it predictable? Side, Because I'm less steeped in the Marvel than you guys, but like I feel like just watching the trailer for Endgame, I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen exactly. In this Interesting. <laughs> but, um, well, anyways. Yeah. Uh, I But like for, uh, well, I don't know. Fair Go enough. <laughs> you know, fair point. I just think that going forward with this uh, into episode nine, um, the, the teaser trailer did a lot to alleviate this for sure. But at the end of Last Jedi, I wasn't like, oh boy, I can't wait to go back to the theater. It, it just felt like it kind of took uh, the entire machine that was the Star Wars Disney trilogy and ground it to a halt. And I think there's a lot of cool things about that, but the part of me that just likes seeing this whole complete thing. The, the Marvel that... fan that wants everything, all 25 movies to fit together. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, you 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 go into four yeah. and five. You and want at the cohesion. End of, yeah, yeah, at the end of five, it's not like, oh man, I... I'm done. <laughs> but also know? five and six are very different movies. Yeah. And it's only in retrospect that we've That's what yeah, that's one of those things like I, I would feel the exact same way as you, but I but I know that there's another one coming and I don't know what's going to be in the next one. So I, I I'm just trying to withhold judgment on la, yeah, like I'm complete not, complete judgment I'm on the last saying, Jedi I'm not until saying that that the the trilogy isn't gonna feel contained. I'm just saying that the last Jedi didn't do anything to like further excite me for additional films and th- again I, it doesn't necessarily have to be the job of that yeah but that to me is kind of what i watch films like star wars and you know other franchise films like that for yeah um, i i think that you might i mean i don't know if this is going to be the case but i think that you might be able to go back and watch last jedi in a different way after seeing episode nine like you'll see connections that you thought were going nowhere in last jedi okay i think that they're gonna do 
some pretty big sidestepping from some of the stuff in Last Jedi. And that Last Jedi is going to feel... Even more distant? (laughs) And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I just think that there might be some things that will be slightly retconned or pushed to the side a little bit. Like like maybe with Daisy Ridley. See, what I think is so interesting about The Rise of Skywalker and... Uh, you know, at the time of recording, we haven't seen it, it comes out next week, is that there are so many new characters that are supposed to be in The Rise oh, of Skywalker. Yeah. And so I am thinking and hoping that sort of once we look back on the Disney trilogy, it's going to be like, episode seven, remember all that old stuff? Episode eight, fuck all that old stuff. Episode nine, here's a bunch of new stuff. Like, And I think that that will sort of be, hopefully, the sort of cohesion, and especially because two of the three main characters from the previous trilogy are now dead in the movie and God rest her soul, Carrie Fisher is passed away in real life. Yeah. Um, I think there's thematically, I feel like, you know, when, when Kylo Ren says at the end of the last Jedi, like it's just us now. Like, I think that's, or or that's at the end of force awakens. But like, I think that's what was fully realized at the end of last Jedi Mm -hmm. was this idea of like, now we've like fully completed the handoff and like, I'm really I'm really excited to see a fully new story that apparently contains Emperor Palpatine, but that's all. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I, I guess it's just bizarre to think that they can do a fully new story in one <laughs> movie, which is sort of stupid to say that that's bizarre because that's what movies are fucking supposed to do. And I think, <laughs> and I think if, if J.J. bucks the J.J. trend of being able to open but not close yeah. plot lines, I think what we'll look back on everything else as if this movie sticks to landing is this idea of oh they like introduced all these new disparate elements and then tied them together in episode nine so here's hoping yeah Yeah. okay so um let's round this out with our favorite least favorite i think my favorite like like i said again i like this movie fine i don't love it um the second time i saw it uh i liked it much more than the first time i saw it because i went in with like okay this is a little more of a it's not quiet but it is more toned down than mm-hmm. the kind of event hype level of Force Awakens. So with that, maybe I'll like it even more the third time. We'll see. Um, my favorite moment is definitely the moment where Luke is being pinned against um, the ATATs, and then that transitions into that shot of Kylo Ren on the left side of the screen, Luke on the right side of the screen, both have their lightsabers drawn. I think that's just a beautiful picture yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, least favorite was just all of Canto Bite. I think it's a waste of time. And if they cut that out of the film, I think I might actually like this film a lot more because it would also be like 25 minutes shorter. So favorite, uh, since I already mentioned two of my other favorites, the throne room and the Holdo maneuver, I'll say my third favorite was, um, the scene at the end with Ray lifting the rocks, because I think not only callback. Well, not only was that a good sort of brought her arc of, which really was training, like the whole movie was her training, mm-hmm. um, brought that full circle, but then also A, was like just like a really beautiful shot. Um, and then B, within the context of the movie, I think you, you generally are not sure what it's going to, how that's going to end. You you figured the heroes are going to escape, but you don't actually really know how until literally the very moment where they walk out and she's lifting rocks. And I think that that was well executed as a reveal while still being sort of cohesive with the overall plot story least favorite uh, the line um that's how we're gonna win silly not fighting what we hate but saving what we love and 
Kelly Marie Tran yeah. seems like a lovely woman, and I hope they do more with the character of Rose than they did in this movie. But it, it really but not, not, a, not a well written yeah. character. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not a well written character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, Ian, close us out. Yeah. So, like David, we already talked about most of my favorite uh, parts of the movie, but another one that we didn't mention was. Luke's uh, force projection from his island to the oh, that's the, what I was talking oh, to the God. battle but, when yeah. he oh. brushes off his shoulder. Yeah, oh, it's yeah, so that, good. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> like but that just, scene, but, but yeah. just like that, they didn't know it was it was like a projection the whole time, and yeah. he like he's like technically did that without like lifting a finger. You know, <laughs> it just killed him. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it killed him. But like he did something that like as far as we know at the time nobody's done before well and i think it was such a good subversion of it was an effective subversion of fan expectations and then it was a little bit meta and that it's like this is what everybody wanted to see like full jedi master luke skywalker being a total badass and to both give you that and then be like oh but it wasn't real and he's also a pacifist (laughs) yeah i think was like a was like much more accurate to like what a jedi master would do yeah and b i think like was such a good way to say like we know you wanted this but like you can't have it yeah no it's it's definitely smart yeah, yeah. it and is it's a smart movie yeah it's just not one of my favorites <laughs> and then my least favorite was right before david's when rose rammed into poe like i didn't yeah. i i'm mean, not I ran to finn like i didn't want finn to die right there and i i'm glad that he didn't but for all rose knew like that was going to kill both of them yeah. There's a crashing lot of... crashing a rugged ship into another like raggedy old yeah. ship. Like they could I mean, that's, that's these... logic. <laughs> yeah, it's... any of these movies has a lot of suspension of disbelief where it's like, okay, the main character should have died doing X, Y, or Z. But like that that was a real moment where you're like, uh, how did anybody survive any of this? And like, like how did yeah. she catch up to him to <laughs> yeah. get him from the side? Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Definitely a divisive film. I think we had a pretty rational conversation yeah. about it though, so I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So this has been our very long uh, marathon discussion of the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> um, David, I think this is like literally almost the time that it took you to run a marathon, right? Like by, by the time what are we everything at? is said and done. I don't know. It's going to be it close t- to like t- two t- hours and 20 minutes. All right. Yeah. 222. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, guys, as always, thank you for coming on to the podcast. You are, of course, always welcome back. David, we will figure out another time for you to come on about something else that's always fun to have you. Is there anything you'd like to plug, either of you? Uh, listen to Run Your Mouth, um, runyourmouthpod.com and or Run Your Mouth wherever you find podcasts. How about you, Ian? Uh, I'll also plug Run Your Mouth. <laughs> it's my dad's favorite podcast, if that means anything to any of you. Have you been on? No. All right. Ian's got to get on an episode. <laughs> yeah. The intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie, M-A-R-A, pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, MovieMarathonersPod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast on Podbean at MovieMarathoners.Podbean.com. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. So please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. 
Thank you all for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time when I continue my Best of the Decade series by looking at the top five superhero films of the decade with the frequent guest, Colby Mack. I recorded that yesterday, and it was a lot of fun, so I hope you'll all give it a listen. Um, Until then, bye. Hey Hey there. there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.